So they knew who I was, okay? They called me the prince of cocaine and so on and so on. So I went to Holland, I met my girlfriend there, and I became the, the biggest uh, trafficant of cocaine of Holland. 1,320 times, I calculate. 1,300 trips, and they never caught me. And that time, bam, they caught me. Three years they gave me. And uh, if you lie to me, tomorrow you will be very sick. You're going to have 40 degrees fever. And so I said, what? And it, psh, like sausages, you know, like uh, coming out. <laughs> I escaped. <laughs> I, escaped man. I, I said, who are you, God? I could not believe that. I said, it's not possible. I told I insult everybody in France, all the ministers, all the big stuff like Alain Delon. You know Alain Delon? No, okay, he was the, the biggest artist, like Brigitte Bardot. He was the number one. I insult him, I say, you are selling boys to the president and things like that. I say, if you see how I talk, but he can tell you. I'm very, I have a dangerous tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I was determined, you know, they know that uh, I could kill uh, about 10 of them. I had 10 bullets, 10 bullets, uh, they knew that, so they stopped. Our, my eyes were ooh, shining. They say, okay. I felt it. My lawyer came, he said, oh, you are Gérard Fauré. I said, what? He came one time in jail to see me. I paid him, and then he said, oh, can you get good cock for me? I said, look, I'm in jail, man. Leave me alone. All right, you're in for a treat today with Gerard Faure. He's got multi-millions of views on what he's done in the French-speaking world on YouTube. This is his exclusive first interview to the English-speaking world. And the scope and breadth of the story is just breathtaking. I've made a few notes here. We're going to get straight into a story about an English witch that was involved in the human transport of Mongolian kids and this witch set him up to be, uh, Gerard set him up to be assaulted in a very um, disgusting way. I'm just being careful because it's the first five minutes on YouTube. But that's just one story of many. So Gerard has written four books. We've got Fatal Trust, Dealer to Paris High Society, The Prince of Coke, Education of a Villain. Notably... He was the coke dealer to Prime Minister Chirac and the guy who ended up becoming the head of the Minister of Justice. <laughs> and the, the stories he's got about Prime Ministers, politicians, royal family members, high society, people all over the world. I mean, you know, from the coverage we did on Who Killed E on this channel, our minds were blowing but we're now ready to enter the world of Gerard for first-hand knowledge of what was going on high society in France. So, huge thank you for coming over and you doing forgot this to say the British royal family, British royal family. Oh, and I also forgot to say this interview almost never happened. Gerard and his team set off yesterday from France at, in the morning, and they was they were stopped and interrogated. 
at one in the afternoon. Six hours. Um, something to do with the equivalent of the French CIA. They were detained for six hours, and they only just got to Guildford, Surrey, almost at midnight last night. We were supposed to have dinner with them, but because of this detention, it never happened. So this is how explosive... This information is they did not want him to land on British soil. Bonjour. The French police, <laughs> not the British. The British were correct. We passed the border in Calais in 10 minutes, but in France, six hours. They kept us. Wow. Just incredible. And what For no reasons. For no reasons. No, they said so. Afterwards, they said, okay, we have no reasons to keep you. You can go. So after six hours... I lost my first boat, my second boat, then I had to go take the third boat, and it took me six hours' time. It's just incredible. Wow. Yeah. This so, is France. <laughs> let, let's, let's kick off with this story about the English witch. How did you come to meet her? How did you meet, meet the witch? Well, she met me. She called me from Australia. She, was, she said she was living in Australia, but it was a lie. She said, I've been traveling all around the world to find you. I said, why? She said, you are my f half apple. Do so you say mate. that? My soul sister? Okay. I said, oh, yeah. But in the picture, she was good looking. I said, why not? <laughs> But at the end, she was horrible. Monster. Anyhow, uh, I thought, okay, why not? Uh, I'd like to meet you. Why not? But then... I said, but uh, she said, you have to be the 21th of March in England, in Kingsdown. I have to meet you before 12, before midnight. I said, why? She said, we have to meet each other and then we will become, uh, how do you say that in English, like ghost? I don't know. Uh, and then we will meet the Nirvana. You know what is the Nirvana? The, the, the paradise. Nirvana. So you're, you're going to fuse together and explode into this Nirvana state. Exactly. Yes. Well, I believed it because I believe in those things. Okay. I said, listen, uh, 21 of March, uh, it will be possible. But I have, for the moment, I have to go to Spain. I have things to do. I have business going on there. She said, okay, but I watch you. I said, oh, you watch me how? <laughs> She said, you are under surveillance. I can't believe that. I said, oh, she said, you will see. Okay, I saw, <laughs> I saw. What happened? Okay, I go to Spain, that's all, and uh, the 16th of March, like that, she calls me, she said, are you ready to come? I said, yeah, okay. I wanted to see the end of the story. I mean, I was uh, interested, you know, it was so funny, such a thing, you know, it's, uh, okay. And then, okay, I take my car because I never take the boat, the, the, uh, a boat or a, what you call a, a plane. Then I come by car. Okay, I take my car and I stop in Benidorm. Everybody knows Benidorm in Spain because I had the next girlfriend there. I wanted to see her and so. I said, listen, I'm going to stop in Benidorm for one night for business. She said, oh, business. Okay, okay, okay. She's, then I arrived in Benidorm and I took a, a room in a hotel where I used to go. Very nice hotel in front of the sea, just at uh, 10 meters from the sea. You know, there was just a small road passing in the middle. Now, 
Then I stop in that hotel. They know me there, and so they know I like to always. I like to take a room hundred five because it's just in front of the sea and so on. So I take the room. I go in the, in the bedroom, and then she calls me. She says, "Oh, thank you for putting me in the room hundred five. It's a nice place, so I can see the sea." Oh my God! I said, "What's what's happening? How does she know? I don't know. How does she know? It's impossible." But she knew, she knew. And then I say, "Okay." Afterwards, she phones me. She said, "Listen, I know you're gonna see your ex-girlfriend tomorrow." I say, "How do you know? What are you talking about?" She said, "I know." And if you lie to me, tomorrow you will be very sick. You're gonna have forty degrees fever, and so I say what? <laughs> but uh, I lied. So the next day I was sick. I could almost I couldn't walk. I was really tired, and so on and so on. And I I went to the pharmacy to buy uh, antibiotics and so on. You know I said, uh, and then she called me. She said, "So, are you still uh, in business? How do you feel?" I said, "I feel bad." I told you. I told you, so now you you know what you have to do. Take your car and drive. I said, no, I cannot. I'm too tired. I'm sick. She said, I'm gonna cure you. Jesus, I, I couldn't believe that. You're gonna cure me. You are in England, and you're gonna cure uh, cure me. Because afterwards, at the beginning, she said she was calling me from Australia, and afterwards, she said, "Well, uh, I want to uh, to take a house in uh, Kingstown, and so so you can join me in England." Okay. So I said, "You want me to drive like that? I cannot." She said, "I'm gonna send you energy." I swear to God. Ten minutes later, I was the Hulk, <laughs> <laughs> full of energy. I take my car and I drive. I come by the French customs. When I come by a custom, I'm not always. Uh, I don't feel fine. I don't know if you know what I mean, but uh, uh, because I, I I have had a lot of problems with French customs, you know, I still have to pay them thirty thousand euros fines and things like that, you know. So, in fact, when I come, uh, you know, I don't know what happens. Maybe they can seize me, put me in jail, and no. Five minutes before I arrived by the French customs, she calls me. She say, "Drive. Don't worry about the customs. Everything is okay. You can drive." Incredible! Incredible! She knew. I drive. No customs. Nothing. I drive direction Lyon, and I have a friend living in Lyon. He was helping me to 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 write my first book, the uh, Fatal Trust. So, I wanted to 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 sleep in Lyon, but I could not because suddenly, with a storm, you don't believe that stormy weather, uh, wind, rain. <laughs> I had to stop. I saw a, a gasoline station. I stopped there. She said, "Why do you stop?" I said, "Well, you should know. You know everything." She, <laughs> Yeah, I said, you should know. She said, I know, but you, you cannot stop. You have to drive. I said, no, I'm tired. I, I was really tired, you know. The effect of the 
what she sent me, the energy that she sent me in Spain was, uh, was over. So I needed some more. And I had my telephone in my hands, you know. And suddenly my telephone jumped out of my hands. <laughs> I swear to God, it's true. <laughs> like that, it was blue, totally blue. I, I threw it on, on, uh, on my car, you know, on the ground. And then she said, okay, now you can drive. And suddenly I was against the Hulk. <laughs> I drove again, like that. Wait, the, I Hulk, arrived, the Incredible Hulk. I arrived in Lyon. <laughs> I sleep in my friend's house. And the next day, up, oh, I take the car. I go to Versailles, Paris, where I live. When I arrived in Versailles, I say, okay. She said, I know you are in Versailles, okay. Take a rest. Okay, the twenty, the twenty one of March in the morning, you take your car, you come to Calais, and then you come to England. I said okay, so I had about two three days rest I needed. Twenty one of March, she calls me in the morning. She said okay, wake up, I wait for you. She said you have to be in England before twelve o'clock, uh, before midnight. I said okay. I arrive in uh, in Calais, strike, no boats. I call her, I say, look, I cannot come. There are no boats. She said, I know, but at 9.30, I will do it for you. You will have a boat. I said, who are you, God? I could not believe that. I said, it's not possible. Everywhere, they told me everywhere, no boat, strike, total strike. And you said at 9.30, there will be a boat. And there was a boat. I took the boat. Just incredible. I arrived in England at about 11 in the night, 11 o'clock. And I said, okay, I'm here. She said, okay, you take the road. In one hour, you will, even three quarters of an hour. It was not far from Dover. And then I say, okay, I drive, and there were works on the road. I couldn't drive. I had to turn, take deviations, this and that. I say, no, it's not possible. I will not be there at 12 o'clock. She said, do your best. Okay, I did my best. And then I saw deviation everywhere. I called her. She said, where are you? I said, I am in, I don't remember a village there somewhere. I don't remember the name. I don't want to remember. <laughs> no, no, not anymore. She said, okay, you drive, I drive, you drive, direction, Kingsdown, and I drive, we meet on the road. Okay, we met on the road, but we almost crashed each other because I was driving the, Fr the French way on the right side, and she was on the left side, we almost crashed. In the nighttime, we stopped, boom. And she gets out of the car, she said, hello, Gerard, it's me. I said, my God, <laughs> I wanted to take the car and go back, but I was afraid. I said, that woman Did she is like very pictures? dangerous. She was horrible. <laughs> she sent me pictures of her. She was so good looking. But when I saw her, she was dressed like a monk, you know, with a long, uh, how do you call it? Uh, I don't know. A, a, robe. a robe. Like a man. She was dressed like a man. And the face was like, oh, you, you know the Shrek? The Shrek? Shrek! Shrek. The, the, the wife of the Shrek? Wife of Shrek. The oh, wife Fiona. Shrek. The same face. <laughs> the same face. Horrible. A monster. Plus that, 
I said, what's that? My God, my God, I can't believe that. And I could not escape. I could not go back. Too late. Okay. She said, follow me. I follow. We arrived by a manor. How you call it? A manor? Manor house, yes. Yeah. Very big. She had a very big property. At the entrance, you had two skeletons. Met a kind of spade uh, or something like that. No. Oh, the... Um, you want about the Grim Reaper? Alebarde. We call that in French Alebarde. Yeah, with the... the I can't remember. The stuff. Yeah, two of them. I say, oh, that's great. <laughs> My God. <Good> Skeletons. <laughs> Horrible. I come inside of the house. We come by the, the kitchen, directly by the kitchen. She was preparing some food, but I didn't eat. Oh, no. I was afraid she put some poison or something like that. Her son, 11 years old, spoke a little bit French. You know, He said, oh, you are the French asshole. Yeah. You are the French asshole. I look at him, I said, What's, what did you say? He said, yeah, I said, you are an asshole, French. I said, oh, great. And she was laughing. She didn't say, hey, take it easy. The young, the, the, the young boy had a face. Man, you don't believe it. Blue eyes, horrible. He was a monster. A little demon, a, a devil. It's horrible. I look at him, I say, huh? I said, uh, no, thank you. I said, I brought you some uh, eggs, you know, for uh, it was, uh, how you call that feast? Uh, pack, uh, Easter egg. Yeah. Chocolate egg. Yeah, you, you have uh, chocolate eggs and things like that. Yeah, okay. Easter. I brought him <laughs> for him. He said, you know what you do with those eggs? Put them in your ass one <laughs> by one. I swear to God it's true. But he was in the stair, you know, otherwise I would slap him. I look at him, I say, my God. I say, you gave a good education to his son. Said, uh, he lived in France, in Marseille, one year. And because he said in uh, asshole Fra in France, huh? you know, in France, what in French, he said He said you are the French asshole in French, oh? not in English. Yeah, he said c'est toi le trou du cul français, comme ça. Yeah, in French. I said, oh, you speak French, nice. You learn the good uh, words in France, huh? <laughs> and so I put your eggs in your ass one by one, <laughs> and she was laughing. Mm. I didn't know what to do. What could I do? I was there like a prisoner. And then, okay, afterwards, uh, I say, okay, I'm tired. I want to sleep. And so, okay, I go to sleep. She sleeps beside me. I was afraid. I, did, I almost didn't sleep because I didn't trust that woman. And she wanted to make love. I said, no, no, I'm very tired. Please, please, please. At 6.30 in the morning, two cats are coming to wake me up. With two mice, you know? <laughs> Both of them had the mice. I said, and they woke me up. I said, what's that? She said, you have to take the mice and do like if you are eating them, and then they go. So I had to say, mm, that's good. And then I take the mice, I give her like that in the morning at 6.30. So you got a mouse hanging out your mouth. It's just terrible, man. <laughs> right. Okay. So the next day, she said, well, uh, let's go to, to the beach. And so she, she, saw, she showed me the beach of uh, Kings, uh, Kingstown. It was a nice village. Okay. We come back in the afternoon, about uh, 50 cars there, only very expensive cars like Ferraris, Lotus, 
Bentley, Rolls Royce. I said, what's that? She said, those are my clients. Big stuff. Big stuff, you know. Ministers, all kind of people, lords and so. I said, your clients. She said, yes, I'm a, I call that a, a witch. Like a psychic almost. How do you say Like a witch psychic reads people's palms. Exactly. Yeah. But they were coming for something else. I will tell you. So um, I was, uh, how do you say that? Uh, amazed. It was a, a w very weird situation. You know, I was amazed. What's happening? I, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. And so and so. And in the afternoon, she asked me to take a bath with her. I did not. I said, no, no, I don't want to take a bath. I never take a bath. I take a shower and so She went in the bath and she had uh, sex uh, things, you know, like... Uh, dildo. <laughs> How do you call dildo? Dildo. Dildo, <laughs> yeah. Big ones, very big ones. And she did, uh, you know, she, she, she masturbated. She said, help me. I said, what? Help me do that? <sighs> I said, man, maybe dildos like that, dildos like that. I said, what? And you want me to make love with you afterwards? I, I don't have such a prick. I'm sorry. Wow, it's horrible. I said, what's that? Oh, brilliant. She said, oh, please, please, please help me. Okay. I said, okay, I help you like that. But afterwards, I don't want to make love with you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She said, yeah, you will. I said, no, I'm too tired. Let me... Uh, Leave me alone. Okay. It's horrible. What I saw is horrible. The, the the bathroom was full of those things, you know, dildos, all colors, all, the, all sizes. All. I said, man, this is, this is just incredible. Okay, I stayed a few days. I had to make love with her, of course, because, uh, okay. But uh, I wanted to give back to vomit with her. Ah, in the bed, ah, it's horrible. I think it's the, <laughs> I've been through terrible situation in my life, but that one was Up there. just incredible, <laughs> just incredible. Okay, after three, four days, I was uh, trying to understand what was happening in that house, why all those men were coming there. And women too, and women too, but few, few women. But many, 90% uh, were men, old men, of course. And then... Uh, One night I hear crying, shouting, uh, pff, voices, okay. and she was sleeping because she was taking uh, sleeping pills, you know. It's a chance. Oof. And uh, she was sleeping. I stand up and I go downstairs. And what do I see? Mongolian people in, in the caves, you know, downstairs, really downstairs. Sort of in the basement. Basement, yeah. yeah. They were behind barrels. They were in cages. Like in prison, yeah. All of them. Mongolians, you know, Mongolians? Kids. Said that? Kids. Yeah. Kids, but Mongolian Mongolians. Kids. She was getting those Mongolians from families. They were giving her, okay, legally, but she was selling them to all those clients. Oh. Can you imagine? So I said to her, I cannot stay here. She said, I used to here. I said, no, I cannot stay here. Okay, we will see. Two days later, she goes to um, 
buy things. I said, she said, you come with me. I said, no, no, I'm tired. I have to, I have to rest. Please, I'm tired. Eh? Okay. I'll be back in uh, one and a half hour, two hours. I said, okay, I'll wait for you. And then comes uh, that little boy, 11 years old. He says, so how are you, asshole? <laughs> Bam, I gave him. I slapped him. I said, asshole. He fell down on the ground. He was almost knocked out, you know. Then I took my things. I went in my car and I escaped, you know. Then she, she wrote me, Gerard, with a point, interrogation point. Which, what happened? Why did I, and afterwards I said, what? What happened? She said, why did you slap my son? I said, you don't know why? Tell me. He called me against, again, has, asshole and so. I said, what's wrong with him? I said, I got nervous. She said, okay, but come back. I said, okay, I come back. But I did not come back. I went to the hub. They were waiting for me there. But she didn't predict you going? Huh? Did she predict you going then? No. Protect me going? No, predict. She didn't know you were going to go. I know. Mm. As far as I know, she didn't know. Because she went to, to buy things and so on. She let me in the house like that. She thought I was afraid of her. And... Uh, Normally, she did enough, you know, to frighten me. She did more than enough. Another guy, but I'm hard-headed, you know, another guy would stay, would be her prisoner. But no, not with me. So who was waiting for you? The customs and the police. Did somebody try to rape you before this in the house? No, no, no. Okay. Not in this house. Not in this house. That's a different no. story. Not. Okay. It's a different story. Okay. okay. No, 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 nobody. They were coming for her. Yes. I did, they did not even see me, those guys, but I saw them. Okay. That's the difference. No, nobody tried to rape me. No, it's a chance. Oof. They could have tried. Yeah. But then, no, I go. I arrive in the harbor in uh, Dover. Stop. They put on my car, how do you call that? Uh, comment dit un hibou? An owl. An owl. An, an owl. An owl. Owl. Yeah. owl. Yellow one, which means terrorist. Yeah, they called me a terrorist. They said, uh, we're going to check your car. We're gonna... Okay, check, man. Took me four hours there. I, I'm not lucky with those customs, no. you know, Dover, Calais. Uh, next time I take a plane, man, I tell you. <laughs> I don't like the plane, but next time I will because it's too much. And then I, I said, what's wrong with you? They said, no, we got a phone call. You know, we got a phone call. They did not say uh, who. What? And uh, somebody said that you escaped uh, and that you are a terrorist. And so now we have to check it out. I said, well, check it out. And then afterwards, they let me go, take the boats. I arrived in France. He said, what happened to you, Gerard? You have to come back. You have to come back, you know, threatening me. I said, no, 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 you're not going to threaten me anymore. Over, okay? And I took everything out of my telephone, everything, her address, her name. I didn't want to have any touch with, with her. Because I asked somebody there, he said, oh, you have to... Everything has to disappear from your telephone and all those things because if she has a little thing, she can grab you again. Wow, what a <laughs> terrible what a, story! What a story. Mm. So, before we get to you being sentenced to 40 years in Spain and you escaping from prison, and Prime Minister Chirac changing the law to sentence you in, in France so you could get double digits in France, before we get to all that, 
Where were you born? <laughs> <laughs> I born in Morocco. Okay. In Fez. That that used to be the the the, the capital of uh, Morocco before, and then the French people changed phase and, and the capital became Rabat, you know. But I born in Morocco. My father was French. He was a French military doctor. Uh, he has been also the and the director of the World Health Organization. He was also the director of the comment dit ça, uh, uh, merde. He was expert from the World Health World Health Organization and of the comment dit le merde, la directeur de la comment dit ça là. No, I don't remember. Okay, he was a, a very big man. He was the doctor of the King of Morocco. And I have a lot of story about that, but for the next podcast, maybe, because I have so many things to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what was it like for you as a kid then, growing up in Morocco? What was it? like? Your childhood. Up. Wonderful. Because my father uh, was uh, one of the most famous men in Morocco. As a Frenchman, he, he has been the director of the sanitary controls of Casablanca. He has been... Uh, the the chief uh, the chief doctor uh, officer of all the provinces of Morocco Casablanca Rabat Agadir Marrakech Tangiers so I traveled all around the, the country you know and uh, I could go in the Mor in the king's palace just like that you know uh, and that, well I but at the year of five five years old I was already a villain. I was doing terrible things. Like what? <sighs> like, for example, um, you know, we were living in front of a cemetery. And I was watching. And when sometimes rich people were there, were put in uh, with jewels. In their and graves. In the night time, in the graves, yeah. In the night times, I was going with friends, Arabs friends or Berbers, to take the... the to Steal, take the people out and steal the jewel. For example, otherwise I was grave robbing. Yeah, I had a kind of uh, punitive operations to punish people and to punish. I was uh, wrong. My father told me you're wrong to do that, but I did it. You know, I was uh, taxing them. I was uh, threatening them and I was blackmailing them. And I was beating them with my friends. They had to give me what they had, watches, clothes, everything. Especially, especially people. But now I change, of course. I'm not the same. It's a chance. It's a chance. I was terrible because my, I got the genes of my mother. Now I get the genes of my father. My father was a very loyal man, a very sweet man, uh, very honest He refused corruption, you know, because they killed him in Morocco, you know. The king of Morocco killed him in 76. How old were you? Hmm? How old were you when they killed him? Uh, it was in 76. I was uh, 30 years old. And do you know why they killed him? Hmm? Why did they kill him? No, they obliged my mother to kill him. Because my mother had a very big family in Morocco, in Agadir and Marrakech, Berbers. 
And my father was the daughter of a, a Berber king. They used to call him Marabirubo, the king of the kings. And um, they were pirates. So I became a pirate, let's say that. They were pirates in the desert, in the Sahara. You know, people who were traveling, businessmen and so, they were stopping them and killing them and take the, the because they used to swallow uh, money or uh, golden things and so. Then they used to catch them, take the darms and take all the... the. So that was the family of my mother. Terrible people, terrible people. The French army, it took... It took the French army 30 years to put them on knees. Can you imagine? 30 years. With 120,000 soldiers, they it took them. They were what? They were maybe 1,000 uh, Berbers fighting against 120,000. 30 years. I can, you can imagine how hard were those people. And I had the genes of the... <laughs> the that's it. And, uh, okay, so... The king of Morocco said to my mother, you have to poison your husband. If you don't do it, I kill all your family in the south of Morocco. So she did it. And then she got, after that, she got uh, a present from the king. It was, uh, how do you say that? A license, taxi license. It was a lot of money, taxi license. And a Mercedes brand new mercedes she got it from the the from uh, from the king let's say from the king of morocco and um, then she poisoned my my father how did she poison him we alone in his drink. first of all she uh, betrayed him my father heard it she was going with my best friend a young guy yeah when my father heard it he got a a crisis you know and he became uh, invalid, you know. He could, uh, he got, uh, how do you call Disabled. that? Disabled, yeah. What? Disabled. Disabled, yeah. So my mother started to treat him bad. She was slapping him. She was doing terrible things. And uh, and then the king of, my, my father needed uh, a, a nurse and somebody to prepare the, the right food for him. Yeah? He couldn't eat anything. He was so sick. He, he was paralyzed. The ha half of his body was paralyzed. You know? We c come on, up and say yeah, Stroke. Stroke. Yeah. Stroke. yeah. So he couldn't defend himself. And I was living in Amsterdam, so I could not help him. Uh, so he knew my mother was uh, poisoning him. He knew it, but he decided to die. He didn't want to live anymore. And even the French consul told him, don't go out because outside there are three snipers waiting for you. If you go out of your apartment, you are dead. Why they did they want you. him dead? Because my father wanted to denounce <coughs> the situation there with Big Pharma, Big Pharma and the pharmaceutical lobby, you know. He wanted to denounce everything. They say because he had um, a kind of um, file, and that file he brought it in '61. He brought it in France. He let it by a notarist. He said, "If they kill me, the file has to go to the French press and uh, other countries." So 
he knew it, the king of Morocco, and he didn't like to be uh, blackmailed, you know. So he decided to kill my father, but it, in a nice way. You know, not uh, with a gun or with... A, oh, just like that, poisoned him. But we knew it. So... That's uh, what do you? What else how, do you want to know? How how did that affect you mentally? Terrible, terrible. I became. Um, I hated women because I saw what women can do. You know, because it's be- your own mom. She's yes. a, she was, of course, my own mom. But oh, but to see what she did to my father, because my father met her in the desert. And in the desert of Sahara, yeah, I told you she, she was in a yeah. tribe, you know, yeah. a very important tribe. But when the French people made peace with those guys, with, the, with that tribe, that was 30 years later. They came in Morocco in 1905, 1905, okay? Nine, no, 1905. Yeah. And then uh, it took them 30 years to put them on knees. So... In 1935, my, fa- my father was sent in Morocco by the French government. And he was supposed to vaccinate, vaccinate, you say? Yes. To vaccinate people in the Sahara. And he did it. He was not afraid to go in the Sahara on camel or uh, whatever. He spoke, he learned f- uh, Moroccan, Arabic and Berbers to talk to people and so on and so on. And then he came to the village of my mother the first village, the, they call it the door of the Sahara. He came there and he saw my mother, she was 11 years old, and he fell in love. So my father was a kind of... <laughs> but, yeah, but all the French people there was, were... Because they all married young girls from 10 to 12. They all married. Well, first, it was forbidden for the French people to marry indigenous, you know, uh, are you natu- uh, natives. It was forbidden for militaries. But my father did it, you know. So they, they did not punish him, and they accepted, because he did it uh, in a religious way. He married my mother when she was 11 years old. Can you imagine? I call him a... But he was not, because all of them were the same. You know, they all married uh, young girls. It it was normal in that time. It was normal, okay. But um, my mother was, uh, uh, her father was a sort of king, but he was not rich because the the, the French people took everything uh, they had in possession. You know, they took everything for them. So even the title, you know, of king, over to punish them. You know. So my mother was poor when my father met her, you know. But um, he came in the village to vaccinate them. She refused. She was like me, a rebel already. She refused. She, re- she escaped in the mountains, you know. At the end of the vaccination, my father said to her father, he said, well, I didn't see your daughter. Where is she? She has to be vaccinated. He said, well, she's there upstairs in the mountain. You can go and find her. Okay, my father goes. And she was in a tree. 
shouting and crying because there were hyenas, you know hyenas? Yeah. Around. They wanted to eat my mother. So she saw that, uh, oh, those hyenas. So, so my father shot one, you know, the hyenas escaped. And he said to my mother, okay, now you can come down. She said, no, bloody Frenchman, I don't want... But she was in love already with him. She told me afterwards. She, but she, she was terrible. She had a character, horrible. And then she said, no, I prefer to die and be eaten by those hyenas than go with you, f bloody Frenchman, and so on, so on. Okay? He said, okay, fine, thank you. I go, bye-bye. He went a little bit further, and then she started, and the hyenas came because they saw one hyena's dead, blood, and so the, the, the eyes were shining, and so... And she got really afraid. Then she said, no, uh, finally I prefer to go with the Frenchman. <laughs> Don't finish like that. <laughs> so she started to shout again. She knew my father was hiding himself. And my father came back. He said, so now you understand? She said, okay, I'll go with you. They arrived in the village. And my father said to, to her father, he said, okay, you know what? I'm in love with your daughter. I want to marry her. I said, no, no way. I don't give my mother, my daughter to a Frenchman. He said, okay. He sent them to prison a few weeks. The whole family. He said, well, you stay in jail until you change your mind. It took a few weeks and he changed his mind. He said, okay, you What can take my... <laughs> yeah, he said, okay, you can take my daughter, but be careful, treat her good. He said, don't worry. And then, but in that time, my father had a girlfriend already. He brought her from France, from Normandy. And she was pregnant. Yeah. But he knew that when he was going to work in the Sahara to vaccinate people, she was, let me say the dirty word, fucking with everybody. All the French militaries, you know, in his back. So he knew it. Okay? Okay, she was pregnant. I have a, a half-brother who is, I think, actually, at the moment, he's, I think so, ambassador of France in Japan. Japan. He has been also ambassador of France in Morocco. A very important man, but he's my half-brother. She was pregnant. My father said, uh, she, when he brought my mother younger she said why do you bring that girl here he said i want to make her a slave a domestic you know she's gonna i'm gonna teach her how to cook he did not tell her the truth uh, and when she was 15 my mother because he was not allowed to marry her until 15 years you know okay that was a law a barbarian law and even a french law uh, when he was uh, ready to marry my mother He said to the, Norm to the Norman and girls, he said, okay, now you go back to France. I don't want to see you anymore. She didn't want to go. She stayed there and started to be a prostitute. Yeah. For money. Before she was doing for free, but after was for money. So my father tried to expel her out of Morocco. He did. And afterwards, we never heard about her. And then he married my my mother, and then uh, you can see <laughs> I born. <laughs> What was your first introduction to drugs? That was in seventy two. First, I was living in Marbella. I was not using cocaine. I was doing with hashish. And then came the wife of the 
General Oufkir. I don't know if you heard about him. He was even more dangerous than the king of Morocco. He was the big boss in Morocco of the Moroccan army and so Oufkir is a very famous in France because in France he killed Ben Barka. You never heard about Ben Barka? Ben Barka was a dissident. He was uh, the chief of the communist party in Morocco and once he came in France and even the French police helped the general to kill him. The general Oufkir was the most dangerous man in the world. He knows about him. Huh? He's very, very famous. And the general of Kiel, I will talk about him later on with the royal family. You will see. Uh, well, I slept with his wife. She was the, 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 the most beautiful woman of Morocco. And she was in love with me. How did you meet her? She met me. She arranged it. Because she knew me. In Morocco, everybody knew me. She knew me and she wanted to, to, to sleep with me. So she came in Mabeya, she arranged a kind of meeting, and then she became my, um, my mistress, maîtresse. And she taught me how to take cocaine, you know. And I liked it because she had good coke. And afterwards she left, she went to Morocco, she went to jail. The king of Morocco gave her 25 years jail. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here's a word from our sponsor, Harry's. Having such a scratchy face, I'm always delighted to get a new Harry's set. There's a foaming gel, hydrating night lotion, and the razor with the weighted handle really gets the job done. The trimmer blade makes it so easy to get into those tricky places to reach. The shave gel offers effective lubrication and just comes off like butter. It's such a smooth shave. It shaves fast, efficiently, no discomfort, and it is so smooth by the end. The hydrating night lotion is light and non-greasy. Harry's is doing a £0 trial. Start shaving with the products, just pay for delivery. Save every time. Save on all your shaving products without sacrificing quality. You're in control. You can modify or cancel your plan from the account page. Make sure to support our podcast and start your own skincare journey by redeeming a free Harry's trial set. All you cover is £3.95 for delivery. Just head to harrys.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N, and have your trial set delivered to your door. That's harrys.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. It's a very famous story. He kept her in jail and the whole family. He killed the general of Kiev because he tried to push, you know, a coup d'etat. He tried to kill the king. He did not succeed. And then we will come to the royal family afterwards. Yeah, he's involved in it. So at this point in your story then, prior to doing cocaine, did you have any trouble with the police? Were you arrested? Not in Spain. I went to, because I wanted coke. And in Spain, it was not to find. You could, you could not find it in Spain, nowhere. So I went to Holland, the paradise of cocaine. And I met a girl there. I married her, you know. Uh, when uh, when uh, the, the, the wife of the general of Kiev went to jail, I left Spain because they could also involve me in the putsch, you know. And uh, I didn't want to have troubles with the king of Morocco in that time. He was dangerous. He was a killer. Hassan, Hassan II was a monster. Uh, 
So I went to Holland. I met my girlfriend there, and I became the, the biggest uh, trafficant of cocaine <laughs> of Holland. Overnight? Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? How, How did that happen? What do you mean? So going from just taking cocaine to becoming the biggest... I met describe people. describe yeah. the in okay. between. It's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I speak perfectly Spanish. Of course, I lived uh, almost fourteen years in Spain. So in Spain, in uh, Holland, I met South American people. You know, I was buying from them and I was selling everywhere. Colombian else. people. Oh, not only Colombian. You know, they have very good coke in Venezuela. Oh one, yeah, Venezuela. One of the Ecuador, best yeah. in Peru. They have uh, the best one. We call yeah, yeah. it Ecaille de Poisson, which is uh, uh, shining. Huh? Fish scale. Fish scale. Fish scale, yeah. It's got the best. That's the one I was selling to Chirac, the president of France. He loved it. It's president, isn't it, in France, not prime minister. President Chirac. Yeah, he became president two times. Two times. And I have a funny story about Chirac. Go on. Because <laughs> I can imagine that you want to hear the story. Uh, the, um, the best friend of Chirac was the, the president of the cent- Centre Party in France, you know, between, commun- between socialist and the right party. We had the middle party. The middle. I don't know how you call that in England. Conservative in the middle. So Cons- conservatives right, Cons- Labour left. Right. Have on the and right. You, we had um, socialists are on the, the left in the middle. The fence, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Liberals, liberals, liberals. <laughs> okay, Jacques Barrault. He was called Barrault. Okay, that was the son of a bitch. That guy. He was doing all kind of shit, and he was minister, and he was the the, the chief of the one of the biggest party in Morocco in uh, France. But he was really a bandit man, a villain, even worse than me. Yeah, and um, he uh, was the best friend of Chirac, of course. And once he said, uh, because I was selling him uh, stolen uh, costumes, you know, good marks, you know, very expensive ones, and all kind of things. He was buying, he was buying everything, making business with all the. The how you call the, the deputies, the senators. He was selling them all kind, and I was selling him coke. So once he paid me the coke with two checks from Chirac. The checks were from Chirac in the name of Chirac. Chirac paid him I don't know what with those checks, but he gave me the checks. And then he said to Chirac, oh, I gave the checks uh, uh, to Gerard for a He said, oh, you're crazy, man. Give my checks to a dealer and so No, 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 no. So he refused to pay the checks. Okay. It was about 18,000 francs. Oh, quite a lot of money. I said, you don't want to pay me? Okay, uh, I'll wait for you. I will catch you. And then once they phoned me, there was a big party. In the house of Dassault, you know Dassault, the plane uh, fight, plane fighter uh, con- uh, constructor. He was uh, Dassault was the, was the, the most famous man. He was building plane fighters, you know, fighter jets, like Mirage, like uh, all kinds. He was rich. He had a very big property. So uh, the chauffeur, the driver of Chirac, he calls me. He said, Gerard, we need hundred grams. I say, okay. I had 50 grams at home left. 
I say, mm, it's the right time to screw him, to screw Chirac. I put 50 grams of manitol. You know what is manitol? You should know. No, you don't no. know. To cut the coke. It's a oh, manitol. Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. Manitol. Yeah, it's yeah. a kind of uh, laxative. Yes. Can you imagine? <laughs> already cocaine, if you know about it, yeah. cocaine is already a laxative. When you can, mm. uh, you go to the toilet. Plus 50 grams. So can you imagine? I bring 100 grams in the property and I wanted to see what happens. And it was a big mess, man, I tell you. All those women dressed with very expensive skirts and so and so running to find a place to relieve themselves, man. <laughs> Just incredible. I was, I almost died that day of laughing. I was on the <laughs> ground, man, <laughs> vomiting too. Everybody, all those men with smokings and things and those women dressed with uh, <laughs> very expensive skirts. <coughs> I almost died. But he let me pay. Yeah. And that's why... They arrested me and I got 15 years. Okay, before we get to that, before we get to that, let's go back then. You said you're taking coke, you're in Amsterdam, you got married, and then you become the biggest. You've met connections out of Peru, was it? Bolivia? Um, how, how did you meet these guys and how did you establish this Easy. relationship? I, I met them in, a Spain, in a South American restaurants. Everybody wanted to make business with me. Because I was very sympathetic, I was uh, correct, and I spoke Spanish. They knew I was not a policeman, I was not working for the police. That was very important. You know, so they were, all of them, they were proposing me. You want to have the best cock, but okay. So I became the biggest dealer of Holland. Slow down, slow down. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they talk to you, and, and they're all competing for your business. How did you get that first shipment? How did you get it back? And how much Europe. was the shipment? First shipment. I had nothing to do. Ah, the first shipment? First shipment. Mm. Tell us that story. By ship. However, no. you, however you sent it back. But the first, what do the first you call a shipment? Uh, that the quantity. They send me yeah, the quantity. The, the first okay. time. The first time you send the quantity bad, back. In a bad way, man. Oh, come on. Tell Very us. Very bad way. Tell us. In the, in the stomach of dead babies. What? Yes. But um, I'm not ashamed of it because... I went to the to to Brazil to the Jivaros Indians. They were uh, using dead babies as biblots uh, as uh, decoration. Yeah, they said we keep them at home. They uh, I don't know how they did to to keep them uh, all mummified babies. Yeah, mummified mummified so, babies. Yeah, yeah. I said I said it in my book. Uh, they were coming in uh, in Holland with those babies full of cocaine, but uh, they were dressed and so, and they had things that, uh, you know, uh, that babies are using. Coming. They were coming, okay, they passed like that, but afterwards I had to stop. And then the next how one, long? How long did that work for? About six, six eight months. No six, more. eight months. Yes. No and, and how much cocaine are you bringing? Do you remember the quantity? About one kilo per baby. Something like that. Okay, but afterwards, I used. I had a friend in uh, Marbella. He had a big yacht, a big boat, and he was from the Italian mafia. The one they caught also with me for the thousand kilo of hash. I was uh, associated to him, but uh, he said to me, Gerard, you know South America. I said, yeah, very well. He said, what about 
uh, using um, a snake, a boa. You know a boa? Yeah. Okay. A boa can eat um, a ghost, a goat. A goat. You can put 35 kilos in his, in his stomach. 35 kilos. You can give him a goat of 35 kilos. So if you take a dead one, you take everything out, you can put about 30 kilos and sew it and, and give it to the, to the boa to eat it. But it takes about 48 hours before he dig digests it, you know? So, yeah. so, so he, he, eats, he eats the dead goat with the coke. Yes, of course. And he he's got 48 hours. He doesn't know that. For he'll digest the so coke. So before yeah. we arrive to Marbella, you know, before we arrive to Marbella, we give it to the boat, to the bar, eats it. The customers, they come in the boat, they say, what's a, I say, you can have a look. <laughs> Go and search it inside of the boat if you can. So we gave him a goat to eat, that's all. Oh, okay. okay. And we passed like that. Would Easy. it be one boa or a few? No, just one, of course. Uh, if you have a few boa in the boat, it's, uh, it's becoming a bit strange, don't you think so? problematic. One was it? enough, yes. 30 kilos. That's how we started. <laughs> and how long did you use that method? No, about six times. Six times. Yeah, and then uh, we stopped because... You know, you have many people who talk and so on. Yeah. What was the next method? The next? People... Eating it. Yeah, eating in the, it. In the, in the yeah. plastic oh, condoms. A, a lot of stories that, oh my God. It's terrible, yeah, because uh, they uh, used to, to eat about uh, one kilo, you know. But sometimes uh, it was uh, a bit wrong, you know. For example, one time the, a guy comes from Argentina with one kilo. But suddenly he goes out of the airport. It was easy in Schiphol, in, uh, in, in, in uh, Holland, and the airport was easy. So he passed, okay. I, I was waiting for him, and I say, you take a, a cab to Amsterdam, and I follow the cab. Okay. We drive, and suddenly he says to the chauffeur, he says, stop, stop, I have to shit. I can't stand anymore. And he goes in a field. And then suddenly comes two policemen with uh, motors, you know. And they stop. They see him shitting. Already it's forbidden what he does. And the taxi driver was waiting. And then the, one of them, he goes there. He said, what are you doing? He said, oh. And he saw, he saw that it was not shit, it was cocaine going out. And he, he, I can remember the, the policeman, he took it like that, yeah! And it, psh, like sausages, you know, like uh, coming out. <laughs> I escaped. <laughs> I escaped, man. I escaped. Now that happened, of course, uh, many things happened with uh, those things, you know. For example, uh, uh, they knew because... We had also uh, enemies, of course, you know. When they knew that somebody was bringing coke, sometimes they were picking him up in the airport before us. The enemies? We, we could, yes, of course. We couldn't fight in the airport and so, so. They used to take him, you know. And they tried once. They, they brought one uh, somewhere. They took everything. And then they put again coke with explosives inside we didn't know, because that guy had to come alone, take a cab. We didn't wait for him anymore, because it was becoming dangerous. 
when they caught that guy with uh, with the with the cab, you know, so they started to watch in the airport who was waiting for those guys, you know. So we said to them, "Okay, you come in Holland, you take a cab, and we see you in Amsterdam." Sorry, but did it, did the explosive explode? Yeah, sure, sure, but it ex they exp uh, how do you say that? They had a kind of uh, detonator. Yeah, detonator. But we, it al they almost killed us. Yeah. But the guy, when he came in the house, uh, in uh, the address that we gave him, there was many floors. They, uh, uh, they pushed uh, the the detonator on the first floor, and we were on the third floor. So he did not. Uh, I mean, the guys died, of course. What did you think when that was going on? What? What did you? What was going through your head when that was going on? I don't understand. What, what was your reaction? To, to the explosion? No, no reaction. I, I was expecting all kinds of things from those guys, man. I said, no, that's a, a new way to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to fight. You know, they were trying all kinds of things. What other things? What other things? No. Just that they were catching people also in South America before they take the plane, you know, for example. I say, oh, you come with us, oh, kill him, of course, take the coke and uh, oh, all kind of things. So, like so this was the rival mafia, was it? Different yes, of course. Yeah. Different yeah. mafias, of course. Especially um, mafia coming from Argentina. Those were go big bastards, you know. They did not respect anything, Argentinian people. They didn't. But they had... Spies everywhere, everywhere. What, what years was this, in the 70s? No, um, yeah, in the 70s until uh, 83. Because they had a lot of Nazis, didn't they, in Argentina? A lot of Nazis. Nazis. Also, yeah. I Secret know, police Nazis. Yes, and the president, uh, Kirchner, was also uh, Nazi, and all of them were Nazis. Yeah. They said that Hitler escaped in Argentina or Chile. I don't know, but those people are terrible, man. They did not respect anything, any rules. Between uh, Colombian people were correct. Colombian people, they were very correct, Colombian. incredibly yeah, correct, yeah. really. Give me the money, I give you your stuff, no problems. Uh, uh, people from Venezuela were sometimes correct, sometimes dangerous, you know. They could kidnap you or something, just f for a one kilo coke. Did and anyone ever try to kidnap you? A what? Have you ever, has anyone tried to kidnap you before? Oh yeah, many times. What was the even, first? Even yeah. First time. The first time that was in Amsterdam, but uh, I have been more clever than them because I saw it coming with Argentinians. They invited me in a, in a feast. One Argentinian. He was supposed to be my best friend, but he tr he, he tried to br bring me in a trick, you know. But I felt it, and I I ran. Away. They they ran after me, but there was a police car beside outside, so you see that. So they stopped. It's a chance for me. Otherwise, I would be finished. But uh, it's in France that they tried to fuck me. They uh, to uh, kidnap me many times. Can you talk us through the first time? Hmm? The first, first time, time in, in France. France. The first time was in 2004, you know. I was really dealing a lot. The uh, uh, police arrest me. 
Okay, and, uh, and then I had the judge, a terrible judge. I said to the judge, yeah, the police is telling you bullshit, it's not true, da-da-da. She got angry at me. She took a, an envelope, a yellow envelope, she said, look at that, look what's inside. I look, I see pictures. I see myself walking, going to a rendezvous, to, how do you say, to a rendezvous, rendezvous yeah, okay? And behind me, uh, uh, how do you say that? Uh, gypsies. A group of gypsies. They were following me, following me, because I had a rendezvous in a garage, in a parking, you know? And then suddenly, I went back because I saw the police. I saw them. They were following the gypsies, but I didn't see the gypsies. They were hiding. And then I see that f photo, I see the gypsies, and I see the police, and myself walking. I had many people behind me. <laughs> Protection. <laughs> <laughs> She said, you know those people? I said, ah, gypsies. She said, yeah. They are behind you already for more than a week. I said, yes, I know, because a few days ago, I shot them. I shot them. I saw them. I didn't know there were gypsies. I saw a car following me. I stopped at the red light, and I see them coming. They were following me. I turned back, you know. They followed me again. I took a gun, and I shot them. They, they, they ran away. But they were behind me. Yeah, I, I really... It's dangerous, Francois. What do you think? And then I had also the, what do you call it, Kabil. Kabil is uh, people from Algeria. Very dangerous. Kabil, they call, they call the, the Kabil smile. It means they cut your neck like that, without pity. Those people are hyper dangerous. And they were also trying to catch me. Did they nearly get you? Huh? Did they get you almost? No. The police arrested me before. Because the police knew they were behind me. You know, they knew it. But they could not arrest them. They had no proofs. But when they arrested me, the judge showed me the photos. He said, you had the Kabils behind you and you had the gypsies. So you have to thank the, uh, the police. I have to thank the police for arresting me. And I did thank them. But I got 10 years. When you found out they were following you, were you scared? No, I was in jail. <laughs> no, but did it not Oh, well, The first time? Yes. No, I'm never scared. I don't know what, what you call scared, no. In France, they call me the... They think that I'm crazy. I'm not scared. They ask me, did it happen to you to be scared? I say, I'm scared of only one thing that one day I will know what is to be scared. That day I'm finished. If I'm afraid, I'm finished. I say, I don't know what is, what means to be afraid. It's true. It's coming from my mother. My mother was not afraid of anything, anything. It's just incredible. That's my character. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of prison. I'm not afraid of anything. That's why I talk so freely. I talk, I insult everybody in France, all the ministers, all the big stuff like Alain Delon, you know Alain Delon? No, okay, he was the, the biggest artist like Brigitte Bardot. He was the number one. I insult him, I say, you are selling boys to the presidents and things like that. Oh, see, if you see how I talk, but he can tell you. I'm very, I have a dangerous tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid. Before these kidnappings then, Was there any attempts on your life that was close? 
I don't understand. Of a, of a, uh, did anyone try and kill you? Yeah. Other than the kidnappings that was close to killing you. Close? Yeah, yeah. Qu'est-ce qu'il veut dire? Oh, yeah, of course, of course, but uh, or I shoot or I escape, but uh, I'm not afraid. So you were in shootouts with people? Oh, of course, uh, it's normal. What, what was the first shootout? It was in, um, comment tu dis, in banlieue? Uh, uh, in a suburb. In the suburb. Yeah. I used to go there. Projects. And sell heroin, white heroin. I had the best one. Because I knew the the big uh, the big uh, seller cocaine um, heroin seller of Holland, he was a Chinese guy, so he was giving me the best heroin. So everybody was behind me, and it was very expensive, eighty uh, thousand euro kilo. So of course, one day, I am uh, solicited by uh, those guys who were buying from me, but there were fifteen. And I was with, just with one friend, but I had guns on me. It was 3.30 in the night time, you know. I saw that something was wrong. They were a, a little bit on nerves, you know. And then I took my gun. I said, "And somebody is not happy? No, no, no problem. I said, okay, I go, bye-bye. But they were already ready to attack me. I could see it. They had knives, they had uh, guns too, but... I was determined, you know, they know that uh, I could kill uh, about 10 of them. I had 10 bullets, 10 bullets. Uh, they knew that, so they stopped. I, my eyes were ooh, shining. They say, okay. I felt it. But, uh, yeah, another time too, but it was with false money, you know. Same thing. I, but then I ran. I ran with a friend of mine, and he broke his, uh, his knee and so We escaped because there were too many. No, it happened many times. It's normal when you make business in France, and they know you have also uh, you have always uh, kilos of coke. Or so of course they try to kill you or to kidnap you. It's normal. Did you have bodyguards? No, never. I am myself my own bodyguard, <laughs> and I am the best bodyguard. Believe me. What What gives you this sense of trouble before it happens? How are you so aware? I don't know of the trouble before it happens. I don't know. It wasn't that witch friend. I'm aware of everything. Even now, mm. I'm aware of things. What is going to happen? For example, I'm like a how do you say voyant? A voyant. Psychic. Comment tu dis? A psychic. A psychic. I I predict things. I predict what's what's going to happen in France in October, and it's happening. What I said a few months ago, this is going to happen in France in uh, August, in uh, September, and in October. it's happening. I don't know what's happening. Everybody is amazed of what I say. I say things, they say, no. How do you know I know? Because I said in a podcast, I said that before I may... I made acquaintance with the devil and I became his best friend. And now I'm his worst enemy because I came back in the right side, you know. Uh, I'm against pedophiles. That is what I'm doing at the moment. I'm fighting against pedophiles and I'm going to have them all 
because I have informations about people. I don't know where it's coming from. I swear to God, I don't know. I think maybe people will think that I'm crazy or so. No, I'm not crazy at all. I'm sane, 100%. When I sleep, I get informations coming from where I don't know. I cannot explain. But I know that guy, I have to attack him. That, that, that. So the next one is the one who replaced Epstein in France. He's a very dangerous guy. He knows that I'm looking for him. He escaped from France. He's hiding in Thailand because he's afraid. He knows if I catch him because he raped my wife and the son of my wife, eight years old, in 1996 with 25 guys. He sold before they... He sold my wife. Okay, I explain you. Normally, I was... At the beginning, I was his friend. We were friendly, okay? He had a hotel five stars in Paris, Champs-Élysées. He was rich, but he had, on that hotel, all above, on the, he had young boys from four to 12 years. He was going to Brazil to pick them up with the mothers, and he had rooms for them. And he was selling those young boys to Arabs, you know? Uh, during three, four, five years. And then, when uh, those young boys could not stand it anymore, he was send, selling them to Satanists to kill them. And afterwards, he was buying again the dead boys that he sold to the Satanists for the organs, to sell the organs to those Arabs. A monster. Yeah, 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 it's horrible. I'm going to catch him. I know his name and he, I have his picture. My next book will be half for him to explain what he, what he did. And if the French police doesn't arrest him, I'm going to denounce him, them all because he, he had many protections. But I sent already one. His biggest protection was a commissary of police, you know, in Paris of the... Champs-Élysées areas, he was protecting him. And that guy, I sent him to jail for eight years. He got eight years because I had proofs. But now I'm waiting for the others. And how how did he capture your wife and child? That's a good question. I was sending him, he was my best client in cocaine in Paris. He was taking every week 500 grams. He was paying very good. So two kilos a week, a month, pardon. Uh, normally, I used to bring it myself to him. He was paying me. One day, I catch a, uh, how you call it? A disease, a grip. Comment tu dis la grippe déjà? Grip. Hein? Oh, um, sore throat, let's say sore throat. Sore throat. I had about 40 degrees tempi- temperature. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. Hope you're enjoying this podcast. There's a word from our sponsor, Rocket Money. The other day, I had to cancel free Amazon Prime memberships. I had a personal on the UK, Amazon, US, Amazon, company account, US, Amazon, UK, Amazon. Do you understand how hard it is to cancel these bloody things? That's why Rocket Money makes these things so much easier, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. 
Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. Just like with me, with my four Amazon Prime memberships, you may find out you've been at least double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you've got to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. Thank you for supporting our sponsor, Rocket Money. Links in the description box. Cheers. And he was waiting for me. He wanted the, the coke because in his hotel, his, he had only clients from Saudi Arabia, from Emirates, that kind of people. And they were all buying from him. 50 grams, 50. And then they were buying coke. They were making feasts in his hotel with those young boys. Yeah. So he needed my coke, but I couldn't bring it. So he phoned me, he said, uh, Gerard, uh, what are you doing? I'm waiting for you. I said, look, I cannot walk. I can. I have to stay in bed. I have fever. And so he said, fine. The flu. The ah, flu, yeah. Flu. And when I have the flu, I have the flu, man. I'm down. I, nev- I have never been sick in my whole life, except the flu. That's my worst enemy. So I said, no, I'm sorry, I cannot come. He said, please find somebody. Please find somebody who brings it. I will pay him. So My girlfriend was a girl with guts also, really. She was not afraid. She was from Suriname. You, heard, you know Suriname? Okay. She was Indian from Suriname. She said, I bring it. I said, ah, yeah, I bring it. I take my child with me. He was eight years old. And it will go. It went in the train. Even the customers, they tried to seduce her. They invited her to drink and so. And yeah, she had 500 grams in the pocket. Cool. She was really cool and collected, you know. Okay, she arrives there. Normally, I had a house in Versailles, you know, a very big house. I say, here is the key. You go there and then you bring the, the stuff to... Okay, she did it. But he put drugs... In his drinks. Ah. Yeah. Repeater. GSB. Uh, yeah, GSB. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. And the son too. And during five days, they fuck her, they screwed her, the child and so. And they gave her AIDS. One of them had AIDS. You know? So, at the end of the fight, I was phoning in my house, no, see, no answers and so. And I couldn't move, man. I was too... Uh, and one day, a taxi driver, French taxi driver, comes at my address. He said, uh, can you pick up your wife? I said, what? She was there in a coma, in the car, and the baby, the, the son too. I said, what happened? He said, Monsieur, what was his name, pay, uh, paid me to bring your wife at the, this address. He knew my address. I said, my God. So she went to the hospital and so, completely destroyed, and the child too. Then, the only word she said, one word, she said, Bernard, terrible, terrible. Okay, I understood. I called, say, what happened? He said, fuck off. If you come to France, I kill you. No, I said, I'm coming to kill you. Difference. You're not going to kill me. I come. I come. Just wait for me. And I came. 
and that fucking uh, commissariala, he arrested me. He told his friend uh, he's coming and so and so. Can you imagine? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then afterwards, I went to jail, and uh, in the meantime, they died well, from AIDS. Yes, died. Hmm? They died. Of course, they had AIDS. In that time, AIDS was a, a mortal, a mortal uh, disease. So he killed my family, and I told him in a, in a podcast. I say, wait, man, I'm gonna have you, you and your friends. One of the the the, the most uh, famous man of France is called. He's famous in France. He wrote many books and is his partner. So he's still alive, this man. He's still yeah, alive, yeah. but he knows I'm looking for him. So he escaped. He's hiding in Switzerland. They all know that I'm going to kill them. If I catch them, they hide themselves. I have provocated him. I said, man, if you are a man, you come in my house. Here is my address. Come, please. We have to discuss. He did not come. He sent me his uh, secretary, a young boy. And the young boy said to me, Gerard, don't be friends with him, please. He's my boss, but I like you. And I tell you, don't be friends with him. He wants you to be friends. I said, no, we'll never become friends with him. I invited him. I said, we go in my parking, subterranean, you know, and, and we, we have the, to discuss. He never came. But I'm going to have him. going to have him. The other one in Thailand too. I have the photos. I have everything. Bastards, man. How, can, how dare them? Screw young boys like that, man. How is it possible? Five years old. Now I'm uh, also... Uh, how do you say that? La uh, fila. I want to put in jail a girl called uh, Gina Abidi. She's a monster. She has a daughter of two years old. Two years old. She put him in a bedroom with a, a man of 95 years old. And this is, the police say that because they have arrested her, but she has protections. Now she was planning to sell her daughter, she's now three years old, and uh, to sell her to the Satanist. But I warned the police and I warned the social services and so. If they don't put her in jail, I'm going to make a massacre there, I tell you. They better be careful with me or they kill me because she had protect she has protection, you know? Old pedophiles, judges, procurers, all kind, uh, lawyers. I don't understand what is happening. Why? How can they make love with a, a baby of three years old? Where is the pleasure, man? It's 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 not normal. It happens in France. And I'm I'm gonna make an international, believe me. Uh, podcast catch those people man. I'm gonna say if you don't put her that girl in jail because I have all the proofs she too she has proofs you know that girl was my friend before okay I used to appreciate her because she's very intelligent but I didn't know what she did and a few weeks ago oh, I can send you the the, the 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 podcast it's just incredible I received from who I don't know, I receive a podcast from her. You you hear 
that she has uh, kidnapped a man of 95 years old with her daughter. She was, uh, you know, she attracts people like that. During three years, she kidnapped, she has, she kept him at home with chains and so. She took him, she, she took uh, 700,000 euros from him. She used to beat him. She did not give him, she did not give him food and so. The police went, arrested her. You know how much she got? 18 months jail. 18 months. And she appealed. Can you imagine 18 months for that? She treated that man like an animal. And, but at the beginning, the police said it. I don't say that. The daughter of two years old was sleeping with her. You know? She put the daughter in her to attract him. You know? Can you imagine? So before you got arrested then, there were some people that you'd met that you told me about earlier, including Mick Jagger? Oh, Mick Jagger, yeah. He's a nice guy. I like him very much. Okay, Mick Jagger, I met him at the beginning, when he first started. He used to go to Tangiers, and as far as I know, he used to rent a castle, you know, and to go with his orchestra to train and so on and so on. He had a good time in Tangiers. One time he came with Bianca, his girlfriend, a good-looking girl, and he came uh, in a discotheque where I was uh, every night there. And then uh, he sang for us, you know, because a friend of mine, Moroccan guy, Jimmy, was called, he was speaking English perfectly, he learned by the American library, and he knew Mick Jagger, so he asked Mick Jagger, please can you sing for us? He did. But afterwards, he took all kind of drugs, alcohol. He couldn't walk anymore. And Bianca got rid of him. You know, she, she, and she was bored of it. Though suddenly, Bianca stands up. You know, she put a glass on, almost in his face like that. And she escapes. She goes up. She calls a taxi, you know. Mick follows her, but he, well, he couldn't almost know her. Not walk. He was on the stairs like that. He goes out, and he, just on time, the taxi was there. She goes in the taxi. He wants to open the door. She open. And she gave him like uh, how do you call kick. that? <laughs> A kick yeah. in the stomach. He fell down, and she said to the taxi, "Go." The taxi goes. Mig was on the ground, so I help him to stand up. And then he said, okay, okay. I said, where are you sleeping? He said, Hotel Minza, the best hotel, of course, of 10 years. I said, I can, I can uh, help you. I bring you to the hotel. He said, no, I can't walk. He could not walk. He was like that. He was red. His face was red, man, in, just like a tomato. And then he was walking like that. So uh, all the little Arabs... It was about uh, four o'clock in the night. Huh? He was walking on the boulevard like, like a ghost, you know. And uh, I was following, of course, because I knew what's, what was going to happen. I knew that he, they will rob him, they will attack him, and so on and so on. And it happened. So I caught the young boys who were doing that. I said, go away. He's under my protection, and so on. And then I brought him to the hotel because they were 
putting, rubbing him, putting the finger in the ass and things like that. Terrible, terrible. Those young boys were terrible. And then I brought him to his hotel. He said, oh, you're a nice guy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Okay, so I left him. The next day, I see him in the boat because I was going to Spain. I take the boat to Malaga. Who was in there? Mick Jagger with his Rolls uh, green one, Britannic green, you know. <laughs> it was nice. He said, hey, man, how are you? Come and sit down with me. Okay, so we became good friends. And afterwards, I met him in Torre Molinos. He said, well, uh, can you give me the address of a good discotheque? I said, I'm working in the discotheque. Come. So he came there. We, he had a few friends there. I don't remember who was with him. Two guys, you know, probably the the guys who were in the orchestra or something like that. I don't remember. I just remember him. So we had a good time in discotheque. He said, Gerard, you come in England, you, you call me, you call me. Eh? Okay. And once I went to England, it was uh, Carnaby Street, I think, uh, the time of Carnaby Street. I went uh, to see uh, Robert Stewart. You know who he is. Yeah, movie director, Robert um, Stigwood. So you're still a fan of the Stones, i got to ask. Hmm? You're still a massive fan of the Rolling Stones. He's still, yeah. still alive. Mick Jagger? No, I'm talking Stig- about Robert, Robert Stigwood. Stigwood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mick Jagger is a very nice guy. He, he spoke French with me. I was a decent guy, you know. He tried to be nice to me. I said, no, you can speak English. I don't care. And it's not a problem. Okay. Then I met him again in the house of Robert Stigwood. Movie director. Yeah, movie director. He's the one who made the, the, the theater, uh, you know, uh, like uh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ Superstar. Superstar. O Calcutta. And then the film Grease, Saturday Night Fever with Travolta. I should have been the... Travolta, but I had to sleep with him <laughs> and I refused. <laughs> he said, you sleep with me, you become my, my boyfriend and uh, I give you a, bra- a brand new Mercedes. There was uh, uh, on the park about 20 cars. He said, you choose the one you want. I said, I, I like the Mercedes. He said, I give it to you, but you become my friend. And one night, well, he used to receive Mick Jagger uh, Eric Clapton, Gigi Kale, The Bee Gees, and sometimes Paul McCartney. I met them all there. In his house, I, I describe it on my books, all the ceremonies, what, hap- what, was, what happened there in this house. It was a very, it was a manor, I tell you, renewed, very big manor, wonderful, v- wonderful. What the, ceremonies? Hmm? What parties. ceremonies? No, a man. Oh, parties, a manor, parties. Yes. A ma- how do you say manor? A, a mansion. Mansion. A mansion. Yeah. Oh, okay, it was a mansion, <coughs> renewed, and uh, very big inside. He gave me a room where uh, there was about thirty kilos of gold. You know all the thirty-three towers of Elvis Presley, golden one. Many of them. I wanted to steal them, but uh, it was impossible, man, to get out of that house. It was uh, terrible. They tried to rape me. 
How, how did that happen? It happened that he gave me a, a not cocaine. It was um, comment tu dis la Amphetamines. la bulle la de oh, oh, grass grass weed but strong yeah. weed mm. but very strong. My cousin already my cousin was with me because I met Robert Stigwood in Tangiers, you know, in front of the Hotel Minza where Mick Jagger used to sleep. My cousin had an antiques shop, you know, and Robert Stigwood was there. He came in the shop. He saw me. He saw my cousin. He was a very good-looking guy. He said, hey, you guys, you are the boss? I said, yeah, I'm the boss. He said, if I buy for $50,000 antiques, would you bring it to England? I said, why not? Why not? You are invited 15 days. It was uh, Christmas, New Year, and so on, 15 days. I said, why not? So we, we took the, the plane, and a Rolls Royce with a chauffeur was waiting for us in his row. Okay, so he let us visit uh, the whole town, and so we came there. At the beginning, he was a uh, very nice Rabasti Good. But for um, uh, New Year, that's the feast, He, 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 all his friends were there. They were playing billiard. They were normal, but afterwards, with drugs and very strong weed, they became a bit aggressive. So my cousin saw it. He went to sleep and he, he knocked himself inside. You know, I did not see it at the uh, at the same the same moment. I, I saw. Why, why do you go to sleep? He said, oh, I don't like the ambiance. You know. I stayed, and when I saw that they were becoming a bit aggressive with me, you know, and so, I went up, but I did not close the door. So Robert Stigwood came, you know, he jumped on me, he took my, my prick, and so, uh, because, uh, I gave him a knock in the stomach, he fell uh, against the wall. And then the others came, I don't remember who they were, maybe the bitches and so, because it was dark, you know. So I don't, they came in the room, so I started to fight and beat them all. They were completely out. Me too, but uh, when I fight, I fight. I'm like a tiger, man. So I beat them. So the majordome, majordome came. The, how do you? Majordome or butler. Yeah. How do you call it? Butler. Butler. Yeah. He came, he said, okay, stop it, please. He said, 6.30, go away. Take your things and go away. I said, okay. I said, you come and pick me up? He said, yeah, yeah, I bring you to the to the airport. And I left. But uh, Robert Stigwood uh, was a nice guy, but when he uses drugs, it's horrible. Changes him. It's horrible. Uh, he knew I was not a homosexual, but he tried. He jumped on me, he tried to rape me. And those guys who were behind me, two guys, I don't know who they were, I don't know. I just I just beat them <laughs> with my head. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I use that's my that was my way of fighting. Boom on the ground. Over. And it's a chance otherwise they they would have raped me, you know. Lucky so yeah. I lost my um, job in the in the films and so. He said if you become my bond friend, I teach you how to dance and so and so you're going to be my first uh, artist and so look Travolta took my place 
So I suppose that Travolta slept with him, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't care about him. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. me, he's, he's homosexual. So what? I don't care about homosexual. It's their lives. It's their sexuality. As long as they don't bother with me, okay, never mind. Everyone has his own sexuality. I have nothing to say. Who am I to criticize or to say, no, that's not good one. No, no, no. no. But don't try to rape me, man. So where did you go after you got on the plane? Where hmm? did you go from there? What? From where did you go next, next after the Stigwood? I went back to my house in, in Paris. And then how did you get introduced to selling coke to politicians? I told you with uh, that fucker, that Jacques Barrault, who was the, 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 <laughs> who was the boss of the Centrum Party. party. Centrum. He's the one uh, who introduced me to Chirac and everybody. I was um, I was a good player in backgammon, you know. So he invited me in the racing club of France. There, Chirac was there. All the ministers were there, and so and I was playing backgammon with Chirac and all those people. And in this um, in this club, it was a very uh, private club. Huh? Uh, with swimming pools, all kind of things. I had two girls there working for me. I mean, they were selling coke for me because they had good... Everybody was using coke. In France, everybody is using coke. Did President Chirac snort cocaine in front of you? No, never. No, he never did. But he did uh, <laughs> snore a lot. <laughs> he was... Uh, oh, yeah, he goes to toilet when he wants to snore, of course. No, I never saw him. I never saw, I never saw uh, all uh, those guys accepted that Jack Barrow was the. He was, he didn't care that one, he didn't care. But the others they were hiding, of course. But I know they do. I know because I, I furnished them all. And how many years did you serve coke to him? Mm, I started in '84 uh, until '86, two years. That's a lot of coke. And was the arrest in Spain, was that before this or after? No, after. So I have been arrested in 79. So your first arrest in France then, what were you charged with? Hmm? What were you? What was the charges? 15 kilos of coke. 15 kilos of coke. Mm-hmm. And what was the sentence? 15 years. It's 15 years. This is the one they changed the law to give you extra, because prior exactly. to your case, it was 10 years maximum. When they arrested me, the president was Mitterrand. Mitterrand. The biggest of the world. Yeah. With Jacques Lang and all those fuckers, bastards, you know, all those ministers, the son of, uh, the, the cousin of Mitterrand was called Frédéric Mitterrand, he was one of them, Jacques Lang and all of them, all Cocaine users. I all, I talk about them all in my books. Uh, no pity, you know, no pity. And then, uh, what what was the question again? About your arrest, did you know you were going to be arrested? Or was it a surprise? No, I didn't know. Where were you that day? It was, oh, that day was a special day. When they arrested me, about 100 policemen came in my house. Well, I had a very big house, you know, in Versailles. About 100 policemen and uh, even, uh, comment tu dis, les pompiers? Uh, oh, the, the fire... Uh, 
firemen, firemen. only uniforms and also civil guys. But uh, they surrounded my house and they came with a, a, a tractor, you know? Yeah. Because I was supposed to receive 1,000 kilos from Colombia. And uh, one of the, I had two lieutenants, you know, two people working for me, a British guy called Sean Murphy, Sean like you. <laughs> That's why when I hear Sean, oh. he says, oh. his name is very French. My, my ears are trembling. Sean Murphy was a guy who has been in the French legion, you know, strong guy, but he gave me to the cops, man, like a boo, disgusting. He told them when they arrested... They first arrested arrest him... How did they know in the beginning about the shipment? They know everything, man. People talk too much. The shipment, he he told them, he knew that I was expecting 1,000 kilos. And it's when I was going to pick up the 1,000 kilos that they arrest me. In the peripheric, you know, on the road. Bam! And then they... Uh, they brought me to my house. Hundred people were there already checking. Bam, 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 bam. He gave me to the cops. Did you but have a gut six feeling? years? Eh? I wanted to ask because you said earlier you normally sense stuff. Did you have a gut feeling they were going to come for you? This was going to if happen. If I had what a you gut know, feeling? You know, earlier. You... Uh, did you, did no, you... no, no, not no? at all. No, no, no. Surprised. Surprised. They they caught me in the comment you dit périphérique on the uh, the roundabout. The roundabout. Around Paris. You know, I was going to to pick up. The Colombian called me, say, you can come, it's here. It's a chance they arrest me before, otherwise they would find 1,000 kilos. So the 1,000 kilos escaped. The what? The cocaine escaped. The cocaine, they found it. Oh, they found it. Okay. But the police stole me 10 kilos. So my judge knew it. She said, you have to come on to, you, to pursue them. I said, okay. So the policeman who stole it went to jail. He got four years. Wow. And they found that he was, uh, uh, how do we say that? Uh, Corrupt. More than that, he had three girls working for him, prostitutes. The chief of the police. Pimping out ladies. Oh. Yeah. Can you imagine? He was, he was corrupt. He told me, a Mercedes, limousine, the, the British guy, he was Irish, in fact, uh, Sean Murphy. He was driving that Mercedes. That Mercedes was mine. He was driving it. He was going to the airport to pick up rich people, artists like De Niro and uh, uh, Dolph Lundgren, all of that kind. He was proposing them my coke and prostitutes. Okay, that was a, almost a clean business now. Coke was not so clean. But okay. And then when the police arrested me, they first arrest him because they arrested me in July. And I wanted to stop for a while, you know, to pass uh, my uh, summer in Cannes. But Murphy came, he said, Oh, Gerard, I need 500 grams for uh, a Saudi. Saudian, he pays good, and so I gave him 500 grams. And that asshole, he went to discotheque with 10 grams, he started to sniff, and so the police arrested him. They found about 8 grams in his pocket, they went in his house, and they found the 500 grams that I gave him. Where did you get that? 
he gave me. You know, can you imagine? Afterwards, the the, the chief of police of Paris, huh? most famous uh, brigade, you know, uh, he said to Murphy, he said, listen, you are driving a nice car. I want it. So we don't talk about the car, okay? We don't take it. It doesn't come in the file, okay? I will, you, I will send my wife to your wife to get the papers and so on and so on. Okay. Exchange. He said, and in four months' time, you will be free. So he believed it. So he didn't talk about the car, okay? It was a car of... Uh, Let's say uh, sixty thousand, no, six hundred thousand pounds. Wow! Uh, yeah, very expensive, brand new. And then uh, he told the judge, he gave me to the cops, of course. When they caught uh, five hundred grams, he said, "Where did you get them, Gerard?" Okay, so he sent me the police, and he told them that I would receive thousand kilos. But it's a chance because when they went in my house. They came with a, a tractor, you know, tractor. Yeah. You say like that. Tractor. To s because they thought that the 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 hashish was under the, the earth, you know. <laughs> so they broke everything. My mother, my mother was there, shouting, "Why, why, you are destroying my roses? We don't care." They stole three hundred thousand francs that I have hidden. They stole it. So he stole the car, and ten kilos coke. So the judge of instruction said, you have to attack him. And I did. He lost his job. He went four years in jail. And he, uh, they called the, the prostitutes against him. And now he's, I don't know what he's doing. But he went to jail. So they arrested you, took you back to the house. What happened next? What do you mean? After the house. <laughs> I went Prison. to jail. Okay, describe what they what they did. Did they, they try to interrogate you? Did you get a lawyer? Oh, what, what happened? They interrogate me. They beat me to death, man. They beat I was you. full of blood, of course. They beat also Sean Murphy and another one, Malka, an Israeli guy. He was working for me. You should see. You Even his mother could not recognize him. They put a head like that. Those bastards. So when Trans they're beating you, what can you... You just go like this or... He was taking my hair like that. The guy, the, the policeman was one meter ninety. He was strong. He was taking me like that, you know. Picking and then he put me like that. And with his feet, he was beating my feet so that I fall on the ground. And then bam, bam. Oh, 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 my God. Terrible, terrible. French. So I said, that's why I no pity, man. I said to the judge, because, okay, they arrested me with 15 kilos, but 10. I said to the judge, madame, uh, if, for example, uh, they, they had caught me with more than that, what would happen? She said the same. The same sentence. You get the maximum. Okay? The maximum in the head of my judge was 10 years. She knew it was 10 years. I said, okay. Then I have to tell you something. I had 15 kilos in my house. She said, really? So, put it on paper. I put it on paper. I say, they stole it, okay? Just because he treated me bad. Otherwise, I would shut my mouth. If he had treated me correctly, I would say, okay, 10 kilos less, it's better for me. No, I didn't care. I say, even if I get one or two years more, but I get the maximum, I have nothing to lose. Can you imagine? 
nothing to lose. So I said, they caught him. He was a proxy, uh, comment, uh, le mot en anglais, comment tu dis? A pimp. A pimp, yeah. He was a pimp. The chief of police, he was a pimp. And when he arrested me, I said, listen, I don't understand. Okay, I'm selling drugs. Right, okay, it's forbidden. But what about the pedophiles? I said, I saw you many times in a club called Adam's Club. It's for exchange, you know? Exchange your wife, your children, nah, nah. I said, I saw all those ministers there every night. And our best singer, Johnny Holiday, you heard about him? He was there every night with other singers. They take cocaine like that in front of everybody. Why don't you arrest them? And those pedophiles, you see them with young boys of 12 years. They go in discotheque there in the Adams Club. Why don't you arrest them? He said, we have orders from the president not to bother with pedophiles. And the president was Mitterrand. He said to the police, don't bother with those guys. Can you imagine? Our country is rotten with pedophiles. It's just incredible. Satan is pedophile. I suppose that it's the same in England. Mm. What jail did you go to? All of them. First one. First one. <laughs> uh, I went to... Uh, the first one was Fleury-Mérosis, the biggest jail of Europe. The biggest. We have 5,000 people there. And did you have a cell or was it a dormitory or... No, cell, cell. Were you on your own? On your own or cellmate? No, never on your own. Before it was not possible to be on your own. Never. No, 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 but okay, I had good partners. But uh, it was horrible. It was dirty, the dirty jail. Now they renewed it. It's okay. But it was horrible, man. Horrible, horrible. And um, the guards were all corrupt. So they knew who I was, okay? They called me the prince of cocaine and so on and so on. So respect, you know what I mean, huh? When you come to jail, red carpet, you're welcome, everybody, it's a chance. Because in that time, the girls were all corrupt, okay? And there you have big black guys, strong guys and so, and Arabs, They were paying the guards to bring them victims to screw them in the douche, in the shower. We had no shower in the, in the, in the cells, so we had to go in, the, uh, in a place. And there, a young guy who was coming there was shouting too much or being not very polite. So they said, okay, go to the shower. You have to. You go there, you go inside, The guards, they close the door. You come inside. You have all those big guys. They had like a, a cell in the douche, in the shower. You know, with big towels hiding themselves and so. When you come inside, they say, hey, uh, they let the soap on the ground. They Drop say, the pick it up. Okay, you bend yourself, but then <laughs> you have a prick in your ass. You, you cannot stand up. They fuck you. They screw you. They catch you there. Everybody screws you. Everybody. That is the When you come out of there, you yeah. can shout, you can complain. Nothing happens. The guards, they say, no, it's not true. Even if you have blood coming from your ass or things like that. It was horrible. Could you hear the screams of those people? Of course. 
Of course, everybody could hear the screams. So what? Corruption, even the director, everybody was corrupt because those guys who were screwing those victims, they were full of money. So they were paying, like now, a few weeks ago, they organized uh, racing with, how do you the what happened to Fren? Car racing. Car racing in the jail. In the jail with cartings. And they put a swimming pool also for those guys. They're all corrupt, man. How can you do that? And the Minister of Justice, that asshole, he said, No, I didn't know about it. You don't know about it. The director of the jail said, No, I didn't know about it. What's happening, man, in France? You don't know about it. So those victims then, there's no way out for those victims? No way out. They're getting raped all the time? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you said you're not fearless of anything, but that's terrifying. This is terrifying. Mm. This is more than terrifying. Now, I don't say that it happens in all the jails. Some jails are clean. I have been in all the jails in the... Paris in the Paris sphere, you know, around Paris and so all of them, seven jails. And I've been also in the north of France in three jails. Terrible, terrible. So you don't call that jails, you don't call you it's hell. It's hell in, in, in the first jail. What were the drugs like? The first what? What were the drugs like in the first jail? The what the drugs? drugs. Well, oh, whatever. drugs yeah, in jail! Type, yeah, how much? They have more. Ge- they have more drugs in jail than uh, outside. Mm. Shh, you can ask anything you want if you have money. You can ask anything you want in jail, man. You get it. Guys are completely corrupt. You know why? Because especially at, uh, at the moment now, it's a prison. It's terrible. Uh, they bring um, guards from uh, French Antilles. You know, until yes, Guadeloupe, Martinique, uh, all those uh, islands that we have in the world, they come for five years. And believe me, in five years, they become richer than uh, Rothschild. Because when you come in jail there, the first thing they do, sell you a telephone. Okay? So they know you have a telephone. They let you use the telephone. But your number is, they listen. They give directly the number to the director and they listen to the conversation, you know. So they know, those guys are stupid. You never buy a telephone in jail, okay? But they do. Okay, they know you have a telephone. They let you one month, two months, and afterwards, they check it. They know you have a telephone in your cell. So they check, they find the telephone, they take it, and they sell it to another one. And it goes like that. And the one who was being caught goes again uh, uh, is punished and so on and so on and, and that's a, it's, it's a big business they make so much money those bastards they sell you what you want coke heroin perfumes alcohol you get everything in jail in France all the jails huh? so your first jail then how long was you in the first jail and three, what, what three ha- years what happened to you in this jail anything to me nothing happened just one fight Uh, what, I brought, I brought, why? No, it was, it was stupid. It was because uh, I was I was not drinking alcohol, but alcohol was allowed, you know. 
So I was buying alcohol for a guy, and he was giving me cigarettes. And one day, I could not go out because I was sick. I was in my cell, and the guy was waiting for his alcohol. He did not see me coming. He thought that I was trying to to uh, screw him, you know. And when he saw me, boom, he gave me a head. So I, uh, that's all. I've never but heard of a jail that sells alcohol. Oh, we have. We have had free alcohol. We have had that. This is one that everybody was drunk there. But I was not drinking, so I gave my part to, to, to other guys. No, but uh, <laughs> can you imagine that I have been the most famous man at the moment in France? They called me the Prince of Cocaine. I, had, I have had all the newspaper of France, first page. It was a big scandal when you talk about Chirac and so. Big, big, big scandal. And during uh, almost one year, so, so when I came in jail, they put the red carpet for me. I was the man of the time. So no problems. Everybody was sympathetic, friendly with me. So, and when, so, were, you, when were you sentenced? In uh, two years later. And how was, was that? This, how was that? I tell you, I come. I, I had the best lawyer of France, the best one. He did not even know. He did not. When I came to the to to to, to the court, my lawyer came. He said, "Oh, you are Gerard Fauré." I said, "What?" He came one time in jail to see me. I paid him, and then he said, "Oh, can you get good coke for me?" I said, "Look, I'm in jail, man. Leave me alone." <laughs> oh, <laughs> he did not come anymore. I saw him in court two years later. I said, "So." He did not even recognize me. <laughs> I swear to God, he said, oh, tell me about your story. Tell me about your, uh, what have you done? I said, no, Jesus. You don't know who I am yet? I paid you. He said, oh, you did? Pay? Oh, yeah, okay. He was full of cogged man. He didn't know what he was. <laughs> he said, listen, I'm going to improvise a defense. I said, no, it's no use. Said, oh, what? He said, anyhow, you are already sentenced. You're gonna get 15 years. I said, "What?" He said, "I said, but the maximum penalty is 10." He said, "No, the the prosecutor will ask 20 years for you, and the judge is going to give you 15." And this is what happened. He did not have, he did not even have to plead my my case. No, nothing. This that was friends, and of course I appealed. I get 15 years. I said, it's not possible. Okay. A year later, I go in appeal. Uh, I had three, three lawyers, three bastards, really. I paid for nothing. <laughs> it was a big mess. They talked about stupid things and so. And then the president said, okay, you have something to say? I said, yes, only one thing. They judged me with 20 years maximum. I said, when they arrest me, it was 10 years. He said, oh, okay. He said, then none of those lawyers saw it. I said, they are all donkeys here, like that. This is what I said, all donkeys. And I paid them for nothing. 
He laughed. He said, I understood you. And then I got eight years, half of the sentence. He judged me on 10 years maximum. You see? So I got eight plus two years for the customs, 10 years. Did you serve the full 10 years? No, of course not. Uh, six, six years and three months. What was the second jail you went to? The second jail was, uh, well, uh, then I was in, in uh, Fleury-Mérosis. I went to another jail, but then I was sentenced. So it's kind of free jail, you know. I had a good time there. Afterwards, <laughs> this. <laughs> so why did you no, go I... to that jail? Because he was sentenced. What? Sentenced for what? It's coke. Oh, it's coke. Oh, I thought you, this was a once a, you a are sentenced. One. Once you are sentenced, they send you to a free jail. You have the key of your cell, and you can be alone. Where I was was an arrest. He was on remand, and yeah, now no, he's sentenced. sentenced. You know, so that's you how it goes in France. Yeah. So it's more like First you are, until you are sentenced, you are in a fucking jail. Let's call it a fucking jail. They call, they, you don't have the key of your cell. They put you somebody, uh, anyone, uh, like that. But then once you are sentenced, six months later, they send you to another jail, open jail. Like a cat D we got here. That's... You can have a good time. I have had a good time because I was writing my books and all kind of things. The other jail is uh, Nanterre. It's beside Paris. It was a nice jail. It was clean, new, and so. But uh, I have had in uh, 19... When I came out of that first jail, you know, six, six and a half years, no, six, six years and three months, um, six months later, they caught me again. Yeah, bad luck. What was the worst violence you saw in the prison or the jail? The worst violence was in Nanterre because of the Islamist people. They were violent, you know. You had to not obey them, but they were playing mafia there. And the director, man, didn't say anything, he was afraid of them. You know, they were putting, they had big radios like that, putting on the shoulder like that, and at five o'clock of the morning, you had to wake up because of the praying. Allah, and things like that. And you had to shut your mouth, they would break your neck. Those guys, they were making the load there. Really terrible. I can say that I have had a bad time. Not that they bothered with me, but they bother with everybody, you know. Did you see they anyone disturb everybody? Did you see anybody get killed? No, never. In France, no. Never. Uh, we yes, I, I saw once. Mm. They caught uh, a black guy. They beat him to death, and I told you, I think the worst guard was a woman, small woman by Rose. I made a poem. She was giving him. Just incredible, man. I couldn't believe what I saw. It's terrible. The guy was on the ground. There was full of blood. And they were still beating him, man. And she, especially, yeah, bastard. Yeah, bing, bam. Because the foot was the... It was horrible, man. Was she quite a big woman? Hmm? Was she quite tall? No, no, no. She was like a mouse. Very skinny, small, but good looking. Very good looking. But very, very skinny. 
but she was she had a matraca <laughs> she was giving it's just incredible what I saw I couldn't believe it you see people sometimes you say oh that's an angel no she was not an angel with me she was an angel I have to say that but with uh, I think she was racist did you hear of any of you know saying she was a beautiful woman did you hear of her having any relations with the other prisoners yes of course okay. it happened they caught a few uh, women but they were uh, for money mm. yeah for money yeah they caught in holland it happened a lot i have been in jail in holland too but that was a mediterranean mediterranean club that was really uh, for me good time when they came to free me i said no no i want to stay i said normally my uh, my uh, my penalty was not finished i had two months more they said no we gave uh, the director gave you two months uh, free uh, you know i said no 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 i want to go until the end two months because it was raining it was cold it was snowing outside i said no i'm I'm here. I don't want to move. It was a beautiful German. Five stars. <laughs> We had everything there. So at the end of the French prison sentence, this one, mm -hmm. what was your plan for when you got released? My plan yes. was to start again. <laughs> you know about that. Once you are an eight man, you know. You know it's, it's hard to get out. It's impossible that to get out of business. Bring so much money, man. Do you remember the day of your release? Uh, when? The first time yeah. in France? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, August uh, 92. Yeah, August 92. They caught me in... Uh, July, they put me in July, uh, merde, 1986, they caught me, and they released me in August 92, and one, uh, one year later I was again in jail. Was anybody waiting for you when you got released? No, I didn't need anybody, what for? No, no. So where did you go? I, my my family was there. My mother had a big apartment. I live in the apartment now. They took the house, Versailles house. All it <sighs> big mess, man. A big mess. She sold the house. She bought another one. Oh, because she had bad uh, bad memories, you know. They put my mother in jail, and the friend of my mother, who was before minister of General de Gaulle, he was a famous man. They put him in jail. And when, when they arrested him, because, in fact, that house belonged to him and to my mother, okay? When they arrested me, he said, look, they just operated me here. And he had a big scar, you know? He, he knew that he had maybe one more year to live. He, uh, he has a big cancer and so, but no pity. They brought him to jail. My mother, too. They say, you should know what your son is doing. No, my mother said, no. Uh, no, I didn't know. How long she knew. Huh? How long did they put her in for? Four days. Four days. Four days. The guy was coming out of the hospital after a big operation, and he was one of the most famous men of France. Still, they put him in jail. Can you imagine? I can't believe that. 
French people are horrible, man. They talk about freedom, it's over. Freedom in France is finished. And uh, the, how do you say, the expression, you know, that you... Uh, comment tu dis, la truc d'expression uh, la, 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 la liberté d'expression. Freedom of Freedom of speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. finished in France. Yeah. You be careful. Look at what they did to me in the in the custom here. Okay. Just because I talk and I say what I want to say, what I have to say. So, Gerard, you got out of the French prison the first time. You go right back to the business. Sure. And what problems did you have? What problems that they got me back? They got me again. How? How? Always the same story. They denounce me. You know, you, you, you don't have straight people in France. They call them villains, gangsters, but they are mostly bullshit. Snitches. Snitches. Yeah, snitches. Yeah, exactly. They, they uh, betray you. You know, to make money, okay, everybody's here. Oh, Gerard, we love you, da-da-da. And when it goes bad, oh, no, madame, it's not me. It's him. It's him. He's the boss. He's the big one. He's the... That's France. You cannot make business anymore. It's horrible. It's mm. horrible. Did it go big again the second time or was it not as big? The second time, no. It was not big. It was just too small. But I got three years, you know. Because, uh, when I went out of jail in 90, and 91, uh, 92, uh, I wanted to feast you meant to make a feast with my girlfriend. So I went to Holland. I bought 60 grams, you know, just for feast. You know, wanted to have a good time. They caught me stupidly. When, when I traffic, they don't catch me because I'm clever. You know how many times I went from Holland to France? 1,320 times, I calculate. 1,300 trips. And they never caught me. And that time, boom, they caught me. Three years they gave me. Do you reckon that. it was a tip-off? What? When they caught you, had some No, no, crossed. no. It was just an accident. Was it? Yeah. Could you describe what happened? Because, well, I was just coming back from Holland. I was, uh, I mean, I, I was not in the, how do you say that, in the, in the, with the idea that I was trafficking, you know? So I didn't care. And suddenly in France, boom, douane. Customs, they arrest me. Say, uh, you have something? No, you're coming from Holland. I say yes. You have something? I said no. Okay, get out of the car. My girlfriend had pissed on him, and you could see it on the backside. She had, uh, uh, you could see. The, so the customer said, "Hey, look at that." She was full of pee pee in the backside. You know, she had a, a long uh, vest. You know, and then uh, he said, "Come here." She had uh, the 60 grams in the pussy. You see. Yeah. And then I got three years. The piss gave it away. Yeah. Always the case. And I had the best lawyer of the world. He's now the Minister of Justice <laughs> in France. Oh, this guy. He was this my guy. lawyer. And then when mm-hmm. he, he brought my cock to uh, analysis, you know, to analyze, it was 100%. I said, no. It's not possible. This is not real cock. I thought that in Holland they had given me bullshit. But no, it was real cock because we we asked again 
another analyze and again three times. First time hundred percent, second time ninety nine, and the last time ninety eight. You know they did it because they were tired of analyzing all the time. You know because every time we send back, we say no, it's not possible ninety eight, ninety nine. Okay, we're gonna check it again. Okay, ninety eight. Are you satisfied? Yes. Okay. So my lawyer, who was the number one lawyer in France, asked me if I could get some for him. You know. So I got some for him. I asked a friend of mine to bring it and so. But he did not pay my friend who was coming from Holland. He gave him coke. The guy said, "Oh, I will uh, arrange it with uh, with me." But he did not give me the money and so and so. I said, "Now I stop. You don't get any more coke." So he he became rough with me, and instead of helping me, he fucked me up in the in the court. So normally I should get only eighteen months. You know, I got three years, and I have insulted him in my books. You don't believe? I called him a, a, a pork. I say you are a dirty pork, facochère. I don't know if you know what a facochère. A facochère is like a, is like a pig, but even worse with big. So oh, a, a hog. Yeah, a hog. A I call him facochère. I say son of a bitch. I, I, I have insulted, insulted him. You don't believe? He did not say a word, and he could. He's the minister of justice of France. The the whole country has fun with that they all laugh they all how do you say uh, sent me felicitations bravo it's good what you said and so now uh, he called he, he called himself uh, acquitator you know what means acquitter acquitter yeah which means when you uh, get somebody out of jail acquittal acquittal acquittal, acquittal. acquittal. Yeah. Yeah. So he calls himself a quitter. The acquitter. The acquitter. I call Quitator. him a gravator, which means he makes it worse. <laughs> When you have him, he's not going. You're not going to get acquittals. You're going to get more jail. Yeah. That's how I call him. Now in France, they all call him a gravator, which means a fucker, a bullshit. Which prison did you go to? That time, in the north of France, Maubeuge. What was it like? Nice. I have a, no, I have a good time. Very good time. Only problem is was full of there, and I had to beat them all. <laughs> so the director said to me, "Please, would you stop beating those guys?" I said, "That's what they deserve." He said, "Yes, I know, but you cannot keep on beating them." But I kept on beating them, and then one day in the morning they say, "Suitcase up, you, we're gonna send you to another jail." Which is the worst jail of France? It's called Los Lille. It's beside Lille. You know Lille? Okay, this is the worst of the worst of the worst. They sent me eight months there. I finished my uh, prison there because uh, I couldn't help beating those men. When you see them and they are arrogant, and when you say, "How comes you 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 you, you screw uh, young boys?" They say they like it. What? They like it. I said, "Why do you say they like it?" He said, "Yeah, they they screw, they shout. When I fuck them, they shout. They see this. I say, yeah, but they shout because they they uh, it's pain. It's not from pleasure. No, no, no. It's pleasure. They they have pleasure. My God, you, you, 
All of them, they have the same words. It's just incredible. They believe they give pleasure to young boys of five years, six years. How? We have to kill those guys, man. Hang them, all of them, by the bulls. I mean, do you think they do that just to justify their actions? They can't genuinely believe that young boys get turned on. They do. They do. Because when I was in Maubeuge, I was working in the canteen, which means I was bringing the food and the cigarettes and so to all the people, you know. So I was driving all around the, the prison. Okay. And then when uh, I was going to... There was um, a, a, a part of the jail, east part, full of only because they cannot walk beside... Uh, in, uh, we killed them. And then the guard used to say to me, okay, for a, uh, I go to smoke a cigarette, but don't, don't, beat, don't beat them too hard, like that. So I was going there, and they were, oh, don't beat me, don't beat me. Boom, bam, boom, I was beating them, okay. And, uh, and then I was asking them, why did you do that? One of them screwed a young girl, four years old, in a cemetery, and afterwards he killed them with a fork, in the ass and in the pussy, like that. Oh. He killed her. Oh. And you know, he got only 20 years. Man, a guy like that, never. he, he may never be free again. It's no. not possible. He's a monster. Okay, 20 years. But when you ask him, he said, no, she had pleasure. And that's why I kept on, uh, on uh, beating her with, uh, with the fork, you know. Yeah, and she had pleasure. Four years old. And this guy is, cannot be, cannot live in a society. Did you give him a good beating? Huh? Did you give him a good one? That one? Yeah, ooh, every time. Mm. I was bringing cigarettes for him every time. He was hiding himself under the bed, you know, or in the wardrobe. But <laughs> <laughs> boom, every time. And uh, the guard, he said, okay, you, there is no blood. I said, no, no blood. He said, okay, no blood, but blue eye. But the director didn't say anything. At the end, they got bored because I was beating them all too much, too much, too much. So they sent me to another. We we can call it a disciplinary uh, jail. They sent me there, eight months. No more uh, permissions. Uh, no more nothing. No more graces. They really punished me. And no visits. No visit. Nothing. Nothing. Eight months. Normally, eight months. They should give me two months. You know. Pre- but no, nothing. Eight months full, no visit, no nothing. Can you see what happens in France? I hate, I hate France. I hate France. What, what kind of prisoners were in that jail, the prison, the last one? The last one? The punishment one, disciplinary one. Were there many in that one? Uh, first of all, you don't go on promenade. You cannot go outside. No rest. 24 hours a day you are there, closed. Nothing. You cannot talk to people. You are just... Uh, uh, and then uh, sometimes, sometimes they say, okay, you can take a walk, half an hour. But in this prison, when you take a walk, you walk on the... on. How do you say? It? Because people are throwing the food by the window. 
so you have to walk on the on the the shit that you have on the ground all the, and with the rats rats are there eating the food you know and so you have to walk there it's horrible so you better don't go so i stayed in my eight months time i didn't go to prom i went one time to promenade and then finished that is like solitary confinement pretty much that was it yeah. Solitary confinement. Yeah. That was it. What did you do then? Read, exercise. I wrote my books. Exercise, of course. <laughs> you, you, you know that, like that. You know, pumping, and then uh, yeah, sport, uh, watching TV. I had TV. Oh, that's good. And then uh, reading, reading books, and so learning languages, and so it was good for me. It was positive. The prison was very positive for me. I say that. Did you have a new plan for when you got released? Back to your same old same. Always. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. <laughs> now I have finished. I don't plan anymore because I'm too old for it. I cannot go to jail again, you know. Maybe I have five years to live. I don't want to spend the rest of my life in prison. It's over. And I don't want to, to lose my... Uh, Beautiful Annabelle. If I go to jail to leave her alone outside, she will be, huh? She will be unhappy. Definitely. She will cry. Definitely. So coming out of that, j'ai dit que je veux pas aller en prison parce que je veux pas te laisser toute seule. I don't want to leave her alone. She'll be uh, completely desperate. Mm. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> With women, you, you have, have to so. be careful. <laughs> <laughs> So coming out of that prison, you wrote your books, you said. Yeah, I wrote my books. Did you not want to just publish them and leave the crime life behind? No, no, no. No. It's not possible. No, no, no. No. No, I'm I'm still writing books, you know, but I wrote most of them. I wrote them in jail. and uh, But I have about four or five more. So how did you get sentenced to 40 years in Spain? When they caught me in 1979, they caught me with 1,000 kilos, but 200 were stolen by two cops because I had two cops in my pocket and customers too. And uh, so when I was in the prison of Malaga, the worst prison I ever saw in my life, I, don't, I cannot imagine that there is worse than that somewhere in the world. It was the worst of the world, like South America. People were killing each other. They all had guns, knives, in prison, yeah. Because it was a big mess. It was, uh, you know, the end, the end of, uh, of uh, how you call that, of uh, fascism. It was, you know, Franco was a fascist, you know. And it was the end, so we started to have normal guards, but also guards from Franco, you know, with bad habits to beat and so and so. And the prison was rotten, man. 600 men, people for uh, 300 places. So it was a big mess. They were killing each other. Everybody had guns, knives, all kinds. And drugs, I don't tell you. It's horrible. We will make a podcast about that prison. It's uh, it's very interesting. And then, um, okay, my brother was married with a Spanish girl whose father was the chief of the Guardia Civil. You know what is the Guardia Civil? Yeah. 
Okay, the worst police of Europe. Terrible people. Killers. Okay, so I say to my brother, I said, listen, ask your father-in-law if he can take me out of prison, I will work for him. I will help him catch organization, you know? So he said, okay, he put me out, you know? But during two weeks, I said, listen, I have to, uh, how do you say, to rest a little bit because the prison has been hard, heavy, and so. Give me two weeks, I go to the beach, I eat and so, I swim and so, and then I start to work for you. He believed me. <laughs> and my brother believed me too. Then he, my brother became my worst enemy because I tried to escape, of course. How? It was in Torremolinos. I knew the beach. I knew the place very well. I used to live there. And I knew there was somewhere under the rocks, a hotel was above. And if you could swim under water, you could go to the hotel. Holy shit. Yeah. So during two weeks, I was trying to go underwater. With the Guardia Civil was watching me. I had three three guys, three guards on the beach watching me. Everything, you know. So when I was going in to, to, to swim and so, they were watching me with um, machine guns and so on. Huh? Huh. I was going underwater. And then I try, I could reach the hotel. So one day I tell uh, my mother, I said, listen, uh, called call the two, I had two girlfriends there, the French. I said, ask them to take my car and wait for me at 12 o'clock uh, beside the hotel. So in the morning I go to swim and so, like usual, and whoosh, I go under the rocks. I go in my car, I escape. I go to France. And I thought, ah, once in France, I was free. No, the French people gave me back to the Spanish. Yes, sir. It's just incredible. Because I found my mother, you know, and my mother was under, uh, how do you say that, under écoute, uh, sous écoute? Oh, yeah, she was, uh, her phone was tapped. 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 surveillance. Okay. Yes. For, because uh, when they said to my mother that I was dead, because they did not find me nowhere, you know, they Search and so they say maybe uh, he has been eaten by a squirrel by a shark and so so my mother thought I was dead and I call her from I passed the border I was in France I call her from there and say Mama she said who are you I said I'm your son no you are dead you are a spirit I said Mama Mia I'm not a ghost it's me and then I told her you remember this you remember. She said, oh, my God, but they told me you are there. I said, they lie. I'm still alive. Okay, a lie, but then uh, when I get out, the police caught me, the French police. I said, hey, hey, you escaped from Spain. Back. To the same prison? To the same prison, yeah. Oh. Okay. No, pardon. No, to Marbella. I was in Malaga. And they put me in Marbella. And Marbella was a small prison, 12 people. In that time, now uh, it's big. <laughs> it grew up. But uh, no, the, the prison of Marbella was, uh, how do you say that? Like roots, you know, holes in the wall. Like you are dead, you know, they put you inside, yeah. you sleep, and in the morning they take it. What it's are they horrible. called at the um, 
Corridors. What do you call it? You'll know that, James. The, the slats. What do you call it? Morgue. 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 It's you like a morgue, yeah. It's like a morgue. Yeah, yeah. They put you in a big hole. Of co- you can move there, but you cannot escape. It's horrible. Do you have to piss and shit there? Yeah, like that, something. And then, okay, but 12 people. My friends, because I used to work for, I don't know if you heard about him, Pasqua. You don't know Pasqua? Pasqua, Pasqua was the minister of uh, interior. Pasqua was the biggest mafioso of France. You know, he was a minister, but he was a mafia, a big mafia. So he had a group called SAC, Service d'Action Civique. Terrible people, killers, killers. And in Spain, I had good friends, but all of them killers. They were coming from Algeria, you know, and they were killers, man. Okay, they were, I was good friends. Because one of them, was uh, born in Casablanca and we were to school together and so so he was a good friend. He said, we go to free Gerard. I wanted, so they came, four of them with two policemen. What is that? It's it's because he said something that sounded like Siri. Oh. <laughs> it's made his phone what? go on to Siri. Okay. What? <laughs> we're doing my voice. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> keep, keep going, keep going. Okay. Uh, that guy said to the others, Gerard... He's a friend of us. He helped us. And so I helped him. You have to read my books. And then they came with guns, machine guns, in the prison of Mabea. You know, there were two guards for 12 guys, wow. 12 prisoners, two guys only. So suddenly I was in, uh, in the hole, a small hole like that. And I see the face of my mother <laughs> smiling. <laughs> And then the face of my girlfriend, she was uh, British. She was the daughter of Jim Clark, the, the champion, the Formula One. Formula One driver. Jim Clark, the daughter, Belinda, she was my girlfriend. And I see her, she looked like Brigitte Bardot. She was good looking. She see me, I say, ça, good news. And then I see two policemen, Spanish policemen, but corrupt f- from Franco, you know, it, there was a, a kind of war between the new police and the old police. So they came to free me, okay? I see them with guns. They take the guard. They say, open the door. No, open the door. And I see my two friends also from uh, bandi- French bandits. They say, come on, get out. Me and my Italian friend, he was with me. So we got out. And then they put me in a boat to Gibraltar, and then I took the plane to France. And they never got me back. But they gave me 40 years. They judged me. How did it feel to get 40 years? I didn't feel anything. <laughs> because I knew, I knew I would not go back to jail in Spain, because I was now in France. They could not deliver me in France like that. It's not possible. France, they did it in the border, because they were in accord with the, the, the Spanish. But... Uh, they were not allowed to do the, what they did. So do they still want you? In Spain? No, it's finished. 25 years later, I went back to Spain. In 2005, I went back to Spain, just like Morocco, because in Morocco I got 26 years old. 26 years of jail. In Morocco? Yes. For what? Coke, 20. 
and uh, international uh, stolen cars trafficking. <laughs> and when, how far was this after Marbella? What was this before Marbella or after? No, Marbella? this was yeah before before. Okay. Before yeah, I couldn't go back to Morocco. And, so they yeah. sentenced you. So in, in total, in I had six, sixty-six years to do, twenty-six <laughs> in Morocco, but it happened. With Yves Saint Laurent, you know Yves Saint Laurent? Of mm. course, you know, you are a woman, you <laughs> like mode. Yves yeah. Saint Laurent, I was furnishing him coke. Oh. Yeah, 100 grams every month. And his friend also, Pierre Berger. I won a process uh, last year against them, I won. Um, Yves Saint Laurent was in love with the son of a Moroccan minister. And the guy was 14, 15 years old, too young. Very good-looking guy. If Saint Laurent wanted to put him in his bed, you know, so he was giving him coke, you know, and then he, he, he screwed him, of course, and so. But the guy, he gave him so much coke that the guy died, overdose, you know, he died. So the king of Morocco asked If Saint Laurent, who brought you that coke? And he gave me, of course. Yves Saint Laurent grasped on you yeah and his friend Pierre Berger the worst of the worst he's the worst of the world also but then I went to trial last year against them and I won incredible they the French people everybody all the lawyers and so they said you have started uh, an earthquake <laughs> in the in the world of <laughs> yeah, I did, and it's going to be worse for them. When I go to court, because I'm used to it, I know how to talk and so, I always win. I feel guilty for wearing his makeup today, to be fair. So the king of Morocco said, Oh, Gerard Fauré, okay. He said in the newspaper and so, if that guy comes in Morocco, he, he got 20 years jail. So, and in the, in the meantime, Somebody grasped me, a German guy, grasped me for the car trafficking, you know? Stolen Mercedes and Porsche and all kinds. Do you know they why found... he grasped? Huh? Do you know why he grasped on you? Yes, of course I know. Because uh, they caught him with uh, cannabis for nothing, for nothing. He gave me to the cops. Yeah, mm. for nothing. He got six months, but... Uh, he could get more. They say, we give you six months, but you... Okay, I got uh, six years. So 26 years, 40 years in Spain. I can tell you that I stayed in my country in France during 25 years. I didn't move. Oh, I moved somewhere else, but not in Spain, not in Morocco. And then in um, 2005, I went back to Morocco. There was... Prescription after 25 years old, it's over. They cannot touch you anymore. So I go to Morocco and uh, I come inside, no problems. But what, when I get out, I take my plane. I was going to go in the plane and I hear my name. Mr. Gerard Foray is wanted by the immigration. Oh, I said, shit. And they took my suitcases out of the plane. They were already, I said, so the hostess said, you are Gerard Foray? I said, I said, yes. I wanted to give her my ticket and go in the plane. She said, what have you done, man? 
I said, I haven't done anything. <gasps> she said, oh, la, 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 la. So I went back to the hall. The hall was totally free. Nobody. They sent everybody out in the airport of Marrakesh. I said, Jesus, go and sit down. A policeman came with uniform. He said, passport. Okay, the passport, he goes, he goes away. And uh, half an hour later, they let me wait. You know, they are clever. Comes a policeman with a cravat, a costume, like, nice, good-looking, and so he said, Mr. Gerard Fauré, so we got you finally. I said, no, there is prescription. I know what you're going to talk about. There is prescription. He said, yes, but we can do what we want. We are in Morocco here. I said, do it, do it. In that time, my half-brother was the ambassador of France in Morocco. I said, I know. I know what you I know about Morocco. You're not gonna teach me. I say I born before you. Okay, you could be my son. I said, what I have done, I have called the French embassy. My half brother, he has the same name than me, you can ask. He said, We know that. I said, and I called my brother in Spain, he was consul of France in Spain, in Cadix. I said, diplomats, I said, put me in jail. You're going to see. He said, okay, we're not going to put you in jail, but we want to ask you some questions. And he asked me stupid questions about my jailing in France. He said, no, where have you been? Where were you in that? I said, I was in jail. And in that, I was in jail. And in that, I was in jail. He said, so you, your whole life, you have been your whole life in jail? I said, seems like. <laughs> he said, okay, you can go back. So I took the plane, but uh, I tell you, I had diarrhea. Oh my God. <laughs> my God. When you are, oh la la. When you are in contact with those people, you don't know how it's going to end, I tell you. This is a terrible country. I mean, do you consider yourself to be extremely lucky that both your half brothers are in those positions? Extremely lucky. Yeah. I have luck and bad luck. Mm. But after bad luck comes luck. Like after the rain comes the sun. That that has been my life. 18 years in jail. Total. What other countries did you do jail in? Italy, but six months. Belgium, horrible. How were the Italians? Italian were okay. That's where I, I started to learn Italian and to like Italians. They were very nice with me. I don't have to say anything bad about them. Spain has been the worst. Belgium... Even worse than Spain, it's horrible, Belgium. If you go to jail in Anvers, you know Anvers? The harbor. You have Brussels. It's the biggest town. It's the capital. Oh, Brussels. Yeah, but no, I, 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 di um, I haven't been in Brussels. I've been in Anvers. It's, it's the biggest harbor of Europe. And there comes the cocaine and everything. Now. So it's not Holland anymore. It's Belgium. Before they used to say, ah, Holland is the supermarket of drugs. No, it's finished. Everything happens in, uh, in Belgium. They caught me two times with coke. So once they caught me with 380 grams. I didn't go to jail. No, they took my car. I had a very expensive car, about 60,000 euro, about 60,000 pounds. They took my car as a guarantee. 
They say, okay, you can go, we call you. But I didn't go. I went to steal my car. I took my car back. They got angry at me. Yeah, it was easy. Belgian people are stupid. Really, stupid people. Really, I don't know what they do in Europe. Those, those people, man, they shouldn't be European. They are too bad, man. Dirty, oh, disgusting people. Especially the flums, you know, the, by Holland. The French-speaking uh, Belgium are, I would say, okay, come see, come see. But uh, the others, man, oh, no, 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 no. I really suffered there. I didn't stay long, six months, but uh, pfft, horrible people. One day jail is a... Uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's like three... I, I prefer to stay one week in France in jail than one day in, in Belgium. I mean, how bad was it? How bad what? Was the prison, Belgium? What made it so bad... Who made it so bad? The guards and the prison itself. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Old prisons, you know. The, um, the prison belongs to a Jewish guy. Very, He doesn't spend a, a cent to renew or something. So this is uh, now a prison of the Middle Age. It's, it's unbelievable. And then the guards are women, but old women with gray hair, smoking, dirty, stinky. They open the door. If you say a word, they say, shut your mouth. What? I cannot talk. No. If you want to say something, you write. You write. What you write? Sometimes We cannot talk. No. Dirty, ugly women. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, this is terrible, man. I, I can't believe it. I could not believe that. I said, what's happening here? There was only one man. He's a black man from Kenya. Very nice. So I had, in that time, a problem with my prostate. You know what is prostate? Prostate, prostate yeah. Okay, prostate. You don't have prostate. I don't have a prostate. That. Okay, so I was using medication. When I arrived there, the doctor said, do you have any... The doctor was... Uh, you know about Dr. Mengele? <laughs> the angel of death from the Nazi concentration The doctor camp. of Hitler? <laughs> yeah. he, I thought it was him. He <laughs> was so horrible. He said, tell me, you have a sick... You have a something? I said, yes, I need a uh, for my prostate. He said, oh, yeah, I will send it to you like, with a face. <gasps> My God, <laughs> I was frightened when I saw that face. I said, this is not possible, man. Where, I, where am I? Where am I? It's not, it's, it's impossible. He was sarcastic. He was vicious. Okay. He said, okay, you get your uh, pills in your cell. I did not get them. One week long, I could not piss. Oh. I could not piss. So I was full. And every time they opened the door, those dirty witches, <laughs> uh, I said, please, uh, shut your mouth. <laughs> what? Right on the ladder. I said, what? I have to piss. <laughs> shut your mouth or I'll make a report. Oh, fuck you, man. I make a report. Make 20 reports. I have to piss. No way. No way. No way. So, a week later, the guy from Kenya, very good, nice guy, really. Uh, 
He comes, he opens the door, I fall down. He said, what's happening? Really? I, I, I said, I'm going to die, man. He said, what? What's happening? Tell me. I said, look, one week I did not receive and I, I cannot piss anymore. He said, oh, come, come, come. He brought, he brought me to the doctor. The doctor said, oh, what do you want? I said, what do I want? My pills. <laughs> he said, I sent them to you. No, you didn't send anything. He said, so what's your problem now? My problem is that I am full of pee pee. I want to piss. He said, oh, you want to piss? We oui, okay, I help you. He takes a kind of... <laughs> and he put it in my... He put it in my prick like that and suddenly... <laughs> I shout. I, I'm sure they heard me in Paris. So I shout. And then... I pissed four liters. Wow. I was almost dead. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it, but like a knife. Tuck! Ah, you want to piece? Come on, here. And then blood. Oh! Almost half a liter of blood. Oh. Then he got, oh, wow. he got afraid because the guard was there. The guard, the black one. He said, oh, what you have done is not correct. Huh? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the, the director. So he said, okay, call an ambulance. Ambulance came. They brought me to a civil hospital in in the town. And then in the civil hospital, they say, who did that? I said, the, the Dr. Mengele, the, 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 the doctor from Hitler. They started to laugh. I said, okay, you're going to put a claim on him. And I did. And normally they should pay me 21,000 euros. But I did not go pick up my money because I knew they would put me again in jail. They're clever. They say, no, the doctors were nice there. They say, what he has done is not normal. We're gonna, okay, it's not normal, but now uh, what do I do? Huh? I'm bleeding and so. So I stay four days there in the hospital, try to give me antibiotics and kind of things. And afterwards they say, you put a claim on that. Okay, I did. But when I got out of jail, they forbade me the country for five years. They say, if you come back in Belgium, you go back to jail. And you have to pay about 9,000 euros for justice. Justice cost. Clever. So afterwards, they say, oh, they wrote me a letter. They wrote to my lawyer. They say, and the lawyer say, okay, you can go come and pick up 22,000. Yeah. I know if I go there, they say, hey, you are forbidden in Belgium. What are you doing here? Come to pick up your money? No, you go to jail first. Okay? And I didn't want to say, get, get the, keep them. I don't want that money, nothing. Because I knew from the 22,000, they would take about 9,000 for the justice. Plus, I, they would not, not give me a cent, and they would give me about six, six months jail again for being in, in Belgium. You see what I mean? Those people are horrible, man, I tell you. They are terrible. Terrible. Story. It's yeah. the worst memory I have in my life. It's Belgium. Mm. And that's just from the, the prostate or was also, it? Was no, things? also the, the cell was dark, dirty. The lavabo was broken. The WC the, the, the was broken. Uh, it was dirty. You had the rats. You had all kind of uh, uh, all insects and so it's Horrible. It was a prison of middle age. I swear to God, it's terrible. 
What about the food? Don't talk about it, man. Oh, la, la, the food. No, it's not, you cannot call that food, man. No. That's, uh, even dogs would not eat that. And rats. It's horrible, but they do it on purpose. Like stodge. Sludge. Something like that. Mm. It's terrible, man. No, no, it's horrible. Were the, horrible. Were the prisoners okay? No. No, you could not fight there because they had a system. Uh, you know the you have the court where you can walk and so, okay? And on the right side, you have big windows. And what do you see inside? Zombies. It means if you fight or you defend yourself or whatever, they say you are crazy. They call you crazy. So they send you to psychiatrists and so And they put you there behind the windows and they give you all kind of poison medications and so And you walk like, like, like a zombie. So we could see when we were walking, we could see those guys walking like that. Like Midnight Express. Like Midnight Express, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then you don't, you don't want to fight. If they insult you, you say, man, you're right. You're right. No, I don't want to, to fight with you. And that's the way it goes. They put you there for three months. And then every three months, they decide if you, can, if you have to stay more and more, any longer. And sometimes, and it doesn't count on your... Uh, Time on served. Your, No, I mean, if you get one year, that doesn't count. If you stay one year in the psychiatric hospital, that doesn't, doesn't count. count. Yeah, it's besides your uh, punishment. Wow. It's just incredible. And I know some guys who've been one year there. Every three months, they say, "Oh no, you're not cured. You have to stay." Wow. It's terrible, man. It's terrible. So they could, in effect, keep them there forever. Hmm? They could, in effect, keep them there forever. Yeah, they could. Yeah. So you got a, f a story about the British royal family then, and, oh, and Moroccan king. Oh, oh, <laughs> that's a nice story, man. So uh, that was with the king of Morocco, Hassan II, you know. And uh, Hassan II knew, because many times they try to kill him, you know. He had many coup d'etat, putsch, you know. He had many, but every time he had Baraka, what we call Baraka is luck. Okay. One day, he knew that it would happen again and again and again. But he thought if uh, uh, a very important putsch would happen, that in case of, uh, how do you say that? of def defeat, uh, defeat. The, um, he knew that uh, the next push would be with plane fighters, you know, plane fighters, okay? And then he thought, in case of, if they lose, they would escape to Gibraltar, not to Spain, because Spain would not accept them, but Gibraltar would accept them. So, He thought, okay, in that case, I, it's better if I prepare a kind of blackmailing with the British, you know. 
And what did he do? His brother was a, a he was homosexual, and a, his brother was going to a club in Tangiers, who belonged to a French gangster. He was also a homosexual, and a, and he had the best club of Tangiers. You know, you had good attractions. And so my father was going very often there with my mother and friends because ambiance, the sphere was good. Then he thought, because he knew that all the of England were coming there. Okay? From the royal family, most of them. Lords, deputies, all kinds. It was... Uh, uh, how can I say? Uh, it was for them uh, a paradise, ten years. The owner of the club was a Frenchman. He was called Michel. He was a ancient gangster, and um, he was paying the police of ten years, you know, to you know, you know corruption. So he was having very good clients. But then he thought, okay, now I have to prepare something for in case the next putsch, the next aviators would go to ask political asylum in Gibraltar. That was the only country that would accept that kind of rebels, you know? He said, I have to, I need something you know, for that. And what he did, he said to his brother, Moulay Abdullah, who was, he said, listen, you, you go very often in this club. He said, yes, of course. He said, you're going to talk to Michel, the boss. That's the king of Morocco. Eh? Hassan said to his brother, tell Michel that I want him to put cameras in all the rooms. But Michel felt himself so strong that he said, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. Oh, you don't do that. They arrested him for uh, attempt of, more, of murder, you know. He got three years. And in jail, they were screwing him 20 or 25 times a day, you know, in front of the guards, you know. All the, the, the detainees were allowed to screw him. So, after one month, for example, my father was the, the big boss of the medicine in Tangiers and all the province. So he was the director of the hospital and he was also uh, controlling the, the, the jails, you know, and so on. So he went one day in, uh, because Michel wrote him a letter. He said, please come to see me, please. So my father went to jail to visit him. He said, uh, listen, uh, they are killing me. They fuck me every day. I cannot do anything. Uh, my father said, okay, what I can do is sue your ass. Okay. He said, please, bring me to your hospital. Ask the director, bring me to the hospital, sue me, and give me one or two months in your hospital. My father did it. So he knew about the thing, you know? So he actually sewed his ass. Hmm? He sued... Sewed his yeah, ass. Yeah, sure. Is, I mean, how? D- Not my father, but he, he had uh, people for that. How do you use the toilet? Huh? How, how, do you- how do you poo? I'll ask him. I don't know. 
<laughs> you could I, I don't know. It's, I don't. it's called a circling. A circling. A circling. It doesn't close you. You're not completely closed. Yeah. You still use the toilet. So, reduces the capacity. So. so, afterwards, he said, okay, I will do what the king asked me to do. Put cameras. So he went out of jail. He went back in his hotel and so on and so on. And then came the putsch. The aviators, you know, they were... Planes. Planes. Um, the, uh, uh, fighters, huh? Not uh, normal planes, but Fighter plane fighters. Yeah. They escaped. They did not succeed. Killing the king. That was in the air, you know. The king was going back from France. He was going to Morocco in a Boeing. <sighs> they surrounded him. Six aviators, six planes. They shot him, but not with real... Missiles, you know, it was uh, and uh, training uh, missiles, but with hundred missiles, the, the the plane was a little bit uh, in bad, in a very bad state, you know. But they did not succeed. Okay, so they escaped to Gibraltar. The the king knew it. They took a helicopter and they go. But they went to Gibraltar. They landed in Gibraltar. The queen gave them directly the political eyes. The king of Morocco said to the queen, give me my rebels back, please. No, no, we are a democracy that has political eyes. I give it. Okay, okay. He first tried to, um, how do you say that? To, not to threaten, but to, uh, to disturb uh, Gibraltar, because Morocco was furnishing food, vegetable, fruits, meat, everything. In Gibraltar, they don't have anything. It's just a small island, very good commercial island and so, but they don't produce anything there. So Morocco, and then the king said, okay, I take 20, 21,000 workers, they go back to Morocco. He tried to boycott Gibraltar. And Spain was already boycotting Sp uh, Gibraltar. He thought, the king, he thought, okay, she will be strong, and so she will give me my... No, she did not give the, the aviators back, you know? He said, okay, okay, okay. You don't want to give them back. Okay. He sent the queen, the, the cameras you could see all the royal family there and lords and deputies. He said, if you don't send me my aviators in 48 hours, that goes in the international press. Believe me, they were back in 48 hours. No more democracy, no more political asylum. That's the Queen of England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Because of all the pedophiles, of course, they were raping, I call that rape, young boys from 8 to 12. My father knew them because he was suing them all. He knew them. He found that disgusting, my father. But he couldn't say anything, otherwise he... Why, why, he, why do you think that class of people 
would wants, do such a wants to have crime. sex with young boys. Why does it I seem, say it this seems in so France common? many times so because I think that they have small pricks, <laughs> you know, like that, and they cannot uh, be in bed with a normal woman. They cannot. So with young boys, or young girls, oh, they feel strong, superior. But also, I think they have some. They don't have a good brain. Something think, is wrong in their brain. Do you think brain. the schools they go to, because they live at those schools when they're kids, that they're getting raped? They're raping each other in these schools. Because I've spoken to people who've gone to these schools, and they and they say there's pedophile teachers, and the other students having sex with the other younger yeah, students, true. and that's all true. this is going on in these boarding schools. Yeah, and that that was gonna screw no, them up for the rest of their is, lives. There is also because I have in prison, I have interrogated many. What they say? They say, "Well, they raped me. Now I rape." This is what they say. They rape me. I rape. So that becomes exponential. I mean. Has no end because this is free range. You reckon when you young. when you when you rape a, a young guy, he will become a, but he will rape three or four hundred young boys. Where is the end? There is no end. Plus that they think that they give pleasure to those guys. You know how many guys I beat? I beat in uh, one jail in uh, Chateaudun in France. It was full of. But I wanted to know more about them, so I asked the director. I said, please send me to Batiment 6. He said, no, you're going to beat them. I know you have a bad reputation. In my in my file, it was written that I, I beat pedophile. I said, please, I will be quiet. I don't beat them. Just I want to ask them things. And so. so he sent me there. And what I heard, man, can't believe it. Those guys are not human beings. It's not possible. It's what, not possible. what did you hear? By f uh, for example, I was going to speak uh, Dutch. For example, there was a guy, he was 84 years old, 84. So he could not get hard normally. He One day he comes, he was my uh, neighbor. But I, I, I beat him, of course. I gave him some clap. Blah, blah. They were cooking for me. They were doing all kinds of things because they were afraid of me, of course. And uh, one day he comes, he says, oh, Gerard, I come to, to say bye-bye to you. I say, oh, are you going? He said, yes, I, I go out tomorrow. I say, what are you going to do? You have no more family, no more. He said, my only wish is to, to catch a young boy again, fuck him and go back to jail. Can you imagine? I said, you get hard, 84 years old, you can still... Fuck a young boy, he said, well, I have an ordinance from a doctor, from the psychiatrist for Viagra. <sighs> I say, how comes a psychiatrist can give him Viagra for Viagra? He knows that he's going to screw another guy, another young boy, but he did it. So I asked to see the director, but the director said, I cannot do anything. A psychiatrist has the right to give a Viagra to, I said, you see, he's going to go. He's going to rape another guy, a young boy. Where is the end? Life. Where is the yeah. end? Those guys are sick. When you hear them talking about those young boys, you think those guys are animals. It's not possible. They don't respect the life of young, young boys or girls. 
for them it's just fun. It's just uh, like a, a dog would say, oh, I'm going to eat a bone. You know, okay, it's normal for him to eat the bone. For them, it's normal to rape a young boy or a young girl. But I think mostly, okay, they say they rape me, I rape. It's my turn. Okay, but how many? How many they're going to rape? Two, three, four, in a lifetime, two, three, four hundred. How many? Yeah. Because the government doesn't give them life sentences. No, the government doesn't care. Most of the people are in France, among the governments, among the, 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 the deputies, among the senators, most of them are Most of them, you have to know that. Among the judges, you know, prosecutors and so they are So I've seen so many they get Okay, they've done something, 18 months. They deserve 18 years, not 18 months. Two years. No, man. Give those guys 20 years. Lifetime. Hang them. Mm. Cut their penises off. Hmm? Cut their pee-pee. Yeah, it doesn't help. No. No. I suppose they could use... They can uh, work with hands and take a boy, you know. do. No. Okay, that's the first thing. Take the balls out, everything. Up, 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 over. But kill them, that's all. They don't deserve less than that. No. I mean, you beat in jail. What do you do when you meet a on the outside? Beat him. Oh. <laughs> of course. But they don't mix themselves with us. Mm-mm. No, they have their own, quart- how do you say, headquarters? Headquarters. They have their own. They go... Promenade, how do you say the, the walk? Yeah. When you go out for walking a little Where bit. Where the kids are. How do you call? The, no, no. Promenade. On the yard. Yard. On the yard. Recreation. Call, huh? Recreation. Recreation, okay. Together. Together. Never with normal uh, detainees. No, never. They And when they want to go to, to, to the lawyer or so, there is always a guard with them. They cannot walk alone. They Party beat them. Protected. Mm. It's a chance, but I mean, it's not enough. It's not enough. The, the, those people, they have to put them in a psychiatric asylum and never let them go. Those people are sick. It's a sickness. It's a disease. It's a psychiatric disease that you, we cannot cure. Which confirms one of our missions on this channel, which is to end the war on drugs and get all those resources and go put them on the... Exactly. This is what I say. I say to... When I'm talking in France, uh, in in the podcast or so, I said, instead of combating hashish, cannabis, no. Put your resources to catch those people. Put them in jail. But when they catch one, mostly, look... Lately, in the town of Lyon, no, in Dijon, there was a, a, a prosecutor, right? you call that like that? Prosecutor. Prosecutor, who was selling his daughter of 12 years old in internet. He was selling her. A prosec- they caught him. But what he got? Two years. Wow. He saw it's he something. was selling his daughter, 12 years old. To people just like that. He was not afraid. 
put it in internet if you want to fuck my daughter. Okay, 12 years old. 12 years old, he got two years and her psyche's screwed for life. I don't know how you just... Uh, her brain is going to be destroyed. Absolutely. Yes, of course. But in France, there is a war between good judges okay, and bad ones. Uh, they were talking about le mur des cons, a wall that separates them from assholes. You see, a lot of judges are, of course, against those pedophiles. And they know who, you know, so they say, between us there is a wall, le mur des cons, which, is, uh, which means uh, we are not all pedophiles, so we are against them. But they did not give names. They know who, but uh, they don't want to betray... Uh, their colleagues and so it's a big mess in France. I say that I call France pedo land. That's how I call the country pedo land. It's the number one. They say Thailand, Morocco. No, France is the worst of the worst of the worst. I mean, the only person who doesn't want to prosecute is a. Yeah. Yeah. But then. To put them all in jail, they have to build 10 prisons. <laughs> and that's not maybe not enough. No. So they let them go. They don't care. Just like uh, that woman I, I talked about, you know, that uh, if you hear about her, she, she's selling her daughter of two years old. Now she's three. She has been uh, raped by a hundred men at three years old. And she keeps on because her first husband was president president of the court. And now she has a boyfriend who is prosecutor. She is protected by those guys. She shouldn't have a womb. She what? Shouldn't have a womb. They need to take her womb. Yeah. They should kill her. Mm. That's what she deserves. At the moment, I'm fighting against her. Oh, every day I talk about her. And I'm going to make ask her a petition. You know what's a petition? Petition. Yeah. yeah. To put her in jail. She has to go. And they have to take that her daughter out of the, the sphere, you know? She is horrible. If you see the daughter, she's very good looking. She's three years old now, but she's, she looks like Brigitte Bardot, you know? She's very good looking. So she attracts men. And she sells her for 5,000 euros a night. She gives her GSB so the daughter doesn't feel anything. And they come and sodomize her. Oh. And, yeah. and then the next day she doesn't know what happened. But you see her face, you know that she's traumatized. Mm. You know. So I wrote a letter, two letters to the social services and say... That girl, she lives there and there. You have to go and take that daughter away because I know that in October, this, this October coming, she's going to bring that daughter in Lebanon. She said she's she going to put her in a family. I don't believe that. She's going to give it to the Satanist. You know what Satanist? Oh, yes. Because... She belongs to the uh, Francmaçon, uh, Freemasons, Freemasons, Freemasons yeah. and the uh, Satanists. She belongs to them. 
Templiers, all kinds, you know. And those people, if they want to stay with those people, with Satanists and so, they have to give one son or one daughter. And she is planning to give her daughter. So I want the government. I want everybody in France. Lately, I did many emissions. I see this and that. See what's going to happen. So have you, if, huh? Sorry, have you had many dealings with the Freemasons? What? Freemasons. Experience with the Freemasons. Who? You. Freemasons. My father was Freemasons. Really? But he was a nice one. He was the director of the Lions Club, the Rotary. But they were using him. They were manipulating him. He didn't know what was behind. My father was too nice to be a bad man. But uh, I have had experiences, yes. The one I denounced before, the who is uh, hiding himself in uh, in Thailand, and the other one uh, uh, lives in. No, he's escaping him. He's hiding himself in Switzerland. He's also a Freemason. I know a lot of them, but I cannot prove what. Uh, I know there are Freemasons. My best friend is Freemasons, but he's not so bad. I mean, that's what he says. I don't know what he's doing in the background, you know. I don't trust anymore those people, man. Those people are sick. And I should say that most of them are became rotten because of cocaine. The cocaine pushed them to that. Because you need really courage to do that. I mean, if you are in a normal state, you cannot do that. It's not possible. They are using cocaine, and you know, I don't know if you took cocaine in your life, but I did during 30 years, so I know what about. I know that cocaine is a terrifying drug. It bring, You have no brakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. No brakes. You can be the nicest man without coke, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's exactly <laughs> that. In the, min, in the middle, you have cocaine. Mm. Dr. Jekyll can become Mr. Hyde because he took too much coke. And this is, this is uh, what is happening in France. They, most of them are taking cocaine. I understand that they take coke, but take it easy, man. If you are the president of France, I, I denounced him, of course. Macron, I say that he was an aspirateur, comment tu dis? Aspiration. No, he was a... He was, uh... Tu uh, vois? Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> To to take the the dust of a psh, aspirator, Aspirator. Dyson, you know the mark Dyson. Vacuum cleaner. Yeah, vacuum cleaner. How do you call that? Vacuum cleaner. Hoover. Vacuum cleaner. Hoover. Hoover. I said Macron is a Dyson. He's a Dyson. So he, yes, not yeah, so he's a Dyson vacuum. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, taking yeah. coke. It's just incredible. <laughs> I'm attacking him all the time, but he never uh, pursued me. Never, yeah, he never yeah. uh, put a claim on me, never, because he knows I'm right. Now they know Macron, when they put Macron in photo like that, he's doing that. All the time, they put me beside. <laughs> I denounced him, I said, look at him, he's doing that all the time, he's a cocaine user. So he's why me. do you think it's the most expensive drug? Why do I think it's the most expensive yes. drug? Because it's, uh, what, what do you mean? Like, all other drugs seem to be a lot cheaper, in my opinion. But cocaine is the, is 
the price tag is completely unreasonable, I think. Depends on the quality. Of course, I used to sell a gram, 100, 100 euro, 100 pounds, but it was pure. But try to find pure Coke in France will be difficult. No, they don't. They never give you pure Coke. They give you Coke mixed with bullshit, with speeds, uh, all kinds, with ecstasies and so. Terrible. I suppose that Macron gets pure Coke, of course. But you can see that most of the time it's not good quality because he's raging, you know. Like that. And sometimes he's what a son of a bitch that president of us I don't believe that France is decadence you know is really became a bullshit country I'm, I'm ashamed to be French if now they give me uh, any nationality I take give me Portuguese or whatever you want I take I take I don't want to be French anymore. If the British could me could give me <laughs> British nationality, I think. <laughs> if I could. Huh? <laughs> if I could, I'd give you it. Yeah. Uh, I asked Putin to give me the, the Russian nationality. Maybe he will. Because I like him. I like him. The Ukrainian people, you know, they are crying at the moment, but they looked for it. If you knew who are the Ukrainian people, you would not cry for them, I tell you. They are the worst of the worst. 15 or 20% of the young boys and girls who disappear because they come in France, even in England, they kidnap young boys. They bring them in laboratory, laboratories in Ukraine and they take the blood, they sell the blood of young boys, two years, three years old. Those young boys, they disappear forever. They have no life. It's finished. They belong to the laboratory. Like uh, dogs, like uh, uh, rats and so. They become... Uh, uh, okay? And uh, they sell weapons. All the weapons that we have in the suburbs of France, you know, and all. Comes from Ukraine. Drugs. They replaced uh, Holland. Before it was Holland. The laboratorium of drugs in, in Europe was Holland, the supermarket, and now it's Ukraine. Oh. Yes, yes. I can, oh yeah, I, I know that for sure. All kind, heroin, accepted cocaine. Cocaine comes from Sasame. But the rest, I mean, chemicals, drugs are coming from Ukraine. Weapons, all kind, children. Disgusting country. It's not by accident that uh, Putin uh, declared war there. He knows what he's doing. There are Hitlerians, all of them. You can see the army, the Azov, all of them, highly clear. And we, ha we are helping those people. And that Boris Johnson, your prime minister, he went there a few days ago again. What, man? What's happening to him? I knew he was not... Uh, <laughs> we don't like him in France you know that we don't like him here so, so Gerard before we finish then for the young people watching this because we have a lot of young people and they see the movies about the cocaine and they see Pablo Escobar and they think this is cool what do you say to the young people who think cocaine is cool I said listen man don't touch cocaine because you can be hooked you know you can be 
stuck on cocaine for the rest of your life. And the problem is that most of the cocaine, I would say 99% of the coke that you find in the street or by your dealer is cut with bullshit, with speed, with dangerous poison, dangerous drugs like amphetamine, like uh, methamphetamine, like ecstasy. They put all kind of shit in it and then you get hooked. You get addicted. And when you are addicted on cocaine, you know, I got out of it because I'm very strong mind. I'm very strong, believe me. I'm like a rock. That's why I could get out of cocaine. But if you are a bit fragile and so, don't touch that drug. Don't. If you are not sure of your force, of your strength, please don't use that bullshit. And that I can say that in the eyes of my experience, you know, it's terrible drug. Terrible drug because it can change even your sex. You can become a you can become all, all kind. You can from one day to another you have no breaks. When you take cocaine you you belong to the cocaine, she controls you. You have no breaks. And then you can also get a lot of cancers. You know, three guys in France, very famous guys, they died because of my cocaine. I don't know if you heard about a, a guy called Bernard Tapie. No? He was a famous... Most of the, one of the famous guys in France, you know, he was a minister and then businessman and then he was leading uh, football uh, things and so on. I warned him. I said, man, because I was <coughs> furnishing him, but he was taking so much. I said, man, you're going to get cancers very soon. He got three cancers. He's dead now. Mm. He's dead. Okay. Another one was called Jean-Luc Delarue. He was also a very famous man in the television and so on. Well, afterwards, I have to tell you about the woman, you know, and the cat, okay? I finish with those guys. Jean-Luc Delaray, I warned him, I said, man, you are not sniffing, you are eating cocaine, you are, what are you doing? This is the, oh, I don't care, I don't care. He died, also, cancer. And you know, to get more pleasure, they swallow it. Really? Yes. Because they cannot sniff it anymore. How do you say sniff? Yes, sniff. They cannot sniff it anymore because they bleed. You know, if you take cocaine, at least if you, want, if you don't want to bleed, wash your, before you go to sleep, wash your nose with salt, water, salted water, wash yourself. If you don't do that, you're going to bleed. And all those guys that were bleeding, so they could not sniff anymore. So they were swallowing that thing. And when you swallow cocaine, you have to know that cocaine is made of chlorhydric acid, you know, and all kind of shit. Dangerous with cement, and if you see what goes in the cocaine, man, you don't want to touch it anymore. But they swallow it. So when you swallow that, it goes like that, 
you know, uh, in your uh, esophage. I don't know. Esophagus. Yeah. And then it's like it's acid. So it eats your, uh, and then goes in your stomach. So you get first cancer here, and then in your stomach, and then in your arms, and then you die. And it happens a lot in France. But they, don't, they didn't want to listen to me. They kept on taking coke that way. They all died. Can I ask you um, a question? I seen on your wiki page the rumors of you being a hitman. What? On your wiki page, there's rumors of you. An assassin. Yeah, I was. What? I have been. But for the government, for the government, I was working for Mr. Pasqua, who was the right hand of Chirac. You know? And just because in the army I was a good uh, shooter, you know, not only that, because they freed me in Spain. They freed me, so afterwards they say, okay, now you have to kill terrorists from Basque. You know Basque? Yeah. Terrorists and Corsicans, but mostly Basque. They gave me the address, I had to go with two other guys, shoot them. I did it a few times because I had to pay my debts. But not with pleasure. Yeah, I had some, I had some pleasure. No, because no, at the beginning, I was not really involved in that business because I didn't have anything against Basques, you know. But uh, when they started to put bomb in the in the beach of Marbella, and I was going to the beach every day, so they could kill me for what? What do I have to do with their problem? That's how I thought. I said, now, okay, I can shoot a few of them. <laughs> they did. But I'm not, uh, no, uh, a hitman. No, I'm not a hitman. I d if they attack me, of course, I can defend myself. But, you know, no, I, I don't know. I, I could kill every day. Yeah. hundred for the breakfast and hundred after the breakfast every day. That I could do it with pleasure. Masturbating myself, and I would get, I would get orgasms, and, and all kind of that. that. I would do it today. I could start tomorrow. Sure, the, I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed to say that. Good. And I would help the society. Don't you think so? Definitely. Definitely. But we we were talking about rape. So, uh, I met a woman in Tentures in, uh, it was in 1971. She was famous in, in England. She was a television presenter or something like that. She was very good looking. But she was a lesbian. She didn't like men. But she played that she liked me, you know, to attract me in her bed. And she wanted me to be raped. When I went in the bedroom, I didn't see anything wrong, you know. Okay, I went to bed, I made love to her, but I heard something under the bed. He was, he moved. I said, and then it was cracking in the wardrobe too. I said, ooh, too bad, too bad. I said to her, I said, I go to peace. So I went out of the bed. There was a window, but it was the ground. I jumped. I took my things and I jumped and I ran. And they ran after me, but uh, I was running faster. I could. Yeah, monster. She, uh, she, they wanted to rape me. So what did I do? Because she had a big property in Tangiers. 
That happened in her property. I knew she had a beautiful cat. He was the only cat in the world without tails, you know. He born like that. He was special. He was Siamese. And I knew, and I stole it. I went and I said, Minyo, Kimi, he was called. He liked me, he knew me, that Kimi. I took him and I gave it to my mother. She proposed a lot of money to get it back. I did not give it back. Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember her name, but she was a bitch, man. I don't believe that. Horrible people. Wow. Huh? Wow. Well, thank you for today. What's happening? <laughs> Welcome to the world. <laughs> Welcome. You are going to collapse or what? <laughs> Welcome to the world. I have nice, foray. Yeah, it's, uh, I have so many things to say in my fucking world. <laughs> Believe me. Do you want any say to all the people watching this then who've sat here and watched this today? Do you have a, a goodbye message for the people watching? That they have to read my future books. <laughs> traduced, <laughs> translated in English. They will have a good time. Just like the French people, they enjoy it. When they read my books, they have an orgasm, you know? They, <laughs> they come. Some people said, I don't need to, to, to go with a woman. I just read your book and I have my pleasure. No, I'm saying And... Uh, Listen to my postcards. I have about 15. Yeah. Gerard has his own channel, and we're going to put it the link in the description box. If you do speak French, that's down there. I'll put the link down for the books in French as well if you want to get them. We are going to try and facilitate getting them translated into English, so we'll keep you posted on that. Great. And, and Gerard has said that he would like to come out and maybe do a second podcast. If you guys are interested enough, please let us know in the comments what you think. And if you have any questions... Gerard, put them in the comments and we will put them to him if, we, if we're able to do a part two and maybe you know next time he can get in England easier or maybe mm. they won't let him back after this we will see <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I don't think the French police will let me go out I will have to find a way to, to come here with you know with the migrants I'm going to ask the migrants how do you do to go to England because I don't want pass I don't want to pass through the border. No, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go to Belgium and take the boat to you. The boat? Yeah, the boat, yeah. Because in France I don't want to try anymore. I know they're gonna keep me maybe next time they don't let me out because yeah. I'm I'm insulting the ministers, the the the, the, the president, I'm insulting all the, the my country. Yeah. So they're gonna say, Hey, you want to go to England to to talk about us no 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 you don't go go back <laughs> go back to Paris no I'm gonna go to Holland or to Belgium take the boat quiet no more problems I'm mm. sick of it I don't believe France became a kind of dictator they should have a king like in England they have a queen at least the queen is the guarantee of democracy at least okay uh I suspect her, okay, but I don't talk about her. I, re I have respect for her. She's old and so on and so on. But in France, we have bad talks about her. Yeah. So we finish with a hug, yes, man. Thank so you. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> you, you had a good time. Oh, my God. It wow. was absolutely wow, amazing. 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 Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank, wow. you. thank you. Wow.
This podcast is sponsored by Gadfly Press. We are proud to announce the publication of Britain's number one art forger, Max Brandert, The Life of a Cheeky Faker. And from the back cover blurb, Max the Forger is an artist and gentleman whose colourful lifestyle has spanned over 70 years. He has lived under the strict regime of Bernardo's children's homes, been an elephant handler in the circus, lived rough, busked his way from Brighton to Bombay, sold his fakes up and down the country, dined with dukes, socialised with celebrities, associated with gangsters, served time in prison, and donated tens of thousands to charity. And through it all, he has never stopped smiling and loving life and missing his mum. Quote from the book. Mr. Brandert, I do not see you as a malicious criminal, sighed the judge. But why, oh why, do you continue to use your God-given talent in this way? I just can't help myself, Your Honor. It's like an addiction, I grinned. Available worldwide on Amazon, link in the description box below this video. Thank you for supporting our sponsor.